Hi, this is Jay Lee, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Promise. <laughs> On the money. It's amazing. News was announced. What today? Wasn't it today? Yes. And bam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of us might have known, but yeah, yeah. The news to the world was announced today. Oh, who knew? Well, I knew. I knew. Right. Well, yeah, you knew. Thanks for sharing it with us. <laughs> I was told to not share it on pains of. Some others, yeah, yeah, uh, others were told they did. <laughs> well, I have, I have integrity, sir. This is oh, true. That it, yes, yeah. that's very true. Sitting much up with some of our other guests. Much like the subject of your book, you do have integrity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, everybody! It's eleven o'clock comics episode seven ninety seven. Mm. Very special episode, and I'm Vince B. Who are Vince B on this palindrome episode? I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are. And I am, of course, everyone's favorite necromancer, Willard Necroton. <laughs> oh, boy. D- no, you're not, Willard. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And uh said this was a special episode, and it really is because the Eisner nominations were announced today. And after we scanned the list, we called Brew Baker and Phillips. They didn't return our call. So, <laughs> what we <laughs> what we did was we we took what we can get. So we have a trio of wonderful craftsmen today. Um, the first one I got to admit is is very very near and dear to my heart. Um, not over the others, but he's always been very special to me and us. Uh, his book was nominated. The mysterious. Travelers, Steve Ditko and the Search for a New Liberal Identity in the Best Academic Slash Scholarly Work, and that it is University of Press of Mississippi, and the dude's name is Zach Crusay. Hey now. And he's family, and we love him so much, and holy crap, are we happy. How did this happen? Uh, you know, um, well, you sacrifice enough goats. And, uh, you know, you learn how to make the pentagrams just right and place the candles in exactly the right spots and, you know, in the right sort of astrological conditions and good things happen. No, I, I, I know you're downplaying it a little bit, but you put a ton of work into this book. And I don't think to get a little bit, um, you know, new agey or, 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 or a little on the paranormal side, things fell into place along the course of your life that shouldn't have happened or or didn't happen to other people who had the same um desire or or admiration for you the subject of your book a lot of people tried to meet ditko a lot of people tried to to get to i don't know if you could say know him but but communicate with him and and a lot of people failed where not so much with you yeah, that's true. Um, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I don't, I am a fairly modest person, but I don't care for false modesty. I don't think that does anything for anyone. But, um, but I am lucky insofar as, you know, I got 
I got to co- sort of conversate with Ditko in a way that a lot of people never never did. Yep. Um, and I'm also, you know, but and not just because I I was able to talk to him, but I mean, you guys know. I mean, you guys have been there with me for this stuff like from the beginning. Yep. Like from the time I started really working on, I mean, I was reading Ditko before, you know, we all knew each other, but like by the time I really started thinking and working on this stuff, you guys were all there. We were all talking about it either on at CGS or at conventions or, you know, on, on, on the old board for bullets, bullpen bulletins or whatever. Like we were, we were all there doing this stuff. So you guys know, have a much more intimate knowledge of the journey than, than a lot of the, than a lot of other folks do. Um, which I'm really grateful for, by the way. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it's because, not be, or not because I had the opportunities to, you know, um, you know, exchange letters with him or, or, or meet him or whatever, but I, I think that a lot of it came into place because, you know, I was paying attention, to, but paying attention to him and not necessarily what other people were saying about him. Right. And... Um, you know, for someone like Ditko, like, I think he, he, he recognizes that kind of stuff. And and the family certainly recognizes that kind of stuff, uh, too, because since the book, since the, uh, since the book, I got the first sort of proofs of the book, I immediately sent the first unedited draft to, um, to the family and they love it. Uh, they're, they're all over it. So, um, you know, I've become friends with, Steve's or you know Steve's brother and his and his nephews and um you know it's it's opened up all kinds of doors and possibilities and, and opportunities um because of that so like so for instance like after we get done either tonight or tomorrow I got to figure out I got to start packing because I'm flying out to I'm flying out to visit with Mark um Steve's one of Steve's nephews to start cataloging all the things that were left over and figuring out like what they're going to do with all this stuff and how they're going to archive it and, and store it and, and preserve his books and papers and all this kind of stuff. Like that's an incredible <laughs> like opportunity, like just like this humbling, like dream world that I live in now where I'm like just rifling through Steve Ditko's papers um, and reading his books, like his copies of books and like the marginalia that he put in there and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's like a, it's an unreal um, thing. I mean, it, it is the it is the dream. It is a you know, it is the dream life, I guess. Right. Um, and you know, there there is something. You know, I'm not you know I'm not a woo woo type person. Um, but but there is something really magical about all that, like in the way it makes you feel and how these things just kind of come together. So you do realize I'm going to use that against you, don't you? Yeah, that's that, fine. I'm I'm keeping that comment, and you can't unsay it, and I will uh-huh. use it against you. Not gonna I try. remember the uh, I remember the trip when you came to New York and we all got together. Uh, oh yeah, we had uh, dumplings, right? Supple dumplings yep. and uh, yep. many a many a beverage. And yep. you were just like, "Yeah, I just uh, I went to Ditko's house." And we're like, "What?" <laughs> it just <laughs> like, drops it. Me? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And and you know, I have to say, I mean, I think we probably said some of these things to you when you came on the show when the book was published. But like, it is inc- like. You know, listen. We we all, the four of us, all have a tendency at times, especially off air, to uh, to get caught up and wallow in the some of the realities of of, of the world that we're living in. And uh, you know, plenty of people have have um, 
like systemic inability to uh, to improve their lot in life. And I'm not like dismissing that. But that being said, like I really think that that shouldn't keep us from celebrating when people that we know and love like bring their dreams to reality. And it's not just about this book to me. Like you, like when we met you, you were a super smart dude who loved comics and, and comics history. You know, you're working part comics retail, part you know you had a, a shoot job, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think you know I guess that was what like 15 years ago maybe. And and now like I'm sure for you it's it's been a long journey. It's, there's been lots of ebbs and flows, ups and downs, highs and lows. But like you know, I hope you like I hope especially on a day like today when when you get the Eisner nom, like you you take a step back and and a and a deep breath and think, man, like you have worked hard and persevered and like really made your life into what you wanted it. I mean, you you've you've you're a freaking college professor now, you know. A, published mm-hmm. academic like you've you've pretty much like completely changed your life other than you know you you already had a, a great wife and, and family but but like beyond that like you've completely reshaped who you are and your identity through like you know perseverance and 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 self-motivation and i i, I think you should i hope you appreciate that i hope you like you, you take a moment and say like i, I i've done a lot man it's been pretty cool because i think i think it's 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 very very um it's very very encouraging to me you know especially as like a, a dad of of teenage kids like to be able to point to people like like you that 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 have completely you know done what they wanted and and didn't take no for an answer and just and just made it actualized and made it a reality so kudos to you so so this is this is the episode of 11 o'clock comics where we answer the age-old question will zach cruzy cry on a podcast <laughs> uh, I, I, I got i kind of got the feeling you were playing with yourself a little bit there but uh, <laughs> th- thank you jason that, that means a lot to me sincerely and um and I don't, I don't know that I'm really good at, at taking stock of those moments, but I've had a few of those moments where I, I've had to take stock, and um, I'm trying to do that right now uh, because it's it, it really is just all surreal. But you know, like I'm not I'm not so um, I don't know what the word is, I guess, but uh, I, I'm not so blind to like the to the circumstances to to not recognize like what happened here. So. Um, you know, my, my favorite, my, one of my favorite books as a kid, like a very small, as a very small child, like, and I, and I read this to my children now or read it to them when they were little, I read it to Maggie now, but you know, that the little red hen is a book that stuck with me always. And, um, and, and that that's regardless of how people, I don't, I don't know how anyone will interpret that, but that's something that like, that was a life lesson that I learned really early, like shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Like, you're either going to do this or you're not. And, um, and I decided I'm doing it and I did it and it took a long time and it was very expensive in a variety of ways. Um, not just dollars, but, um, but I did it and, and I, and I'm proud of it. And I, and I just, I'm just so happy. Um, I've, I've checked the boxes. I've, I've done all of the things that I, that I promised myself I would do. And, uh, and here, and here we are. And now we're, now we're celebrating this beautiful, this beautiful thing. So yep. So so take us behind the scenes because we've talked about the Oscars a lot over the years, but I realize I don't know that we've ever drilled into the like the the meat of the of the uh, you know the the evaluation process. Do do you do you or does your publisher have to actively submit your work for consideration like they do with the Oscars, or is it just that the the panel that gets that called into the room to decide on these categories just has access to everything and, and someone was like let's like how, how did do you know how that works i mean did you have yeah. to lobby for this or yeah so i don't know about lobbying but um 
Mississippi University Press of Mississippi, uh, they submit the, they submitted the book to the committee or whatever the the sort of portal is where all these things come through, uh, and then their their six member committee or whatever reviews all of the all of the applications and then reduces it to a short list um, after they read or or peruse or, or evaluate the work in whatever way that they do. So so UPM sends it off and I'm just sitting there just sort of waiting. Uh, and I didn't hear from, I didn't hear from the Eisner committee or Comic Con or anything like that. I heard from they they contact my publisher and then my publisher contacts me. So, um, so that's how I found out about it. But I mean, I kind of vaguely knew the process because I've met a couple of other people who were involved with it. So one of the people that was um, on my dissertation committee, the thing that became the book, Carol Tilly, she's a previous Eisner judge. So I kind of knew from knowing her how these things worked, and that's basically it, right? Like, they get the applications, they look through the work, and then they they make a decision after that. So uh, I don't, but I have no idea like what the rating system is like. I don't know what the rubric is, um, or how that rubric differs from category to category. Because I have to imagine, like, you, I mean, well, I know for a fact, like, you can't possibly apply the same rubric to, you know, from one category to another. So I don't, I don't know about that part of it. Um, it was mostly just sort of, please send this. Now let's wait. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to come as a shock uh, to everyone listening, but uh, Mysterious Travelers is the only uh, nominated uh, academic scholarly work this year that I've read. So uh, so I'm biased here. <laughs> Believe it or not, I haven't read these other books. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, you being you, Zach, I have to ask, uh, have you – are you familiar with or have you read any of the others nominated and or uh, w- now that you're officially nominated and, and there, I guess, in some ways, quote unquote, competition, do you plan on checking them out? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, the uh, the w- I've only read one of them. Um, I've read uh, Andy Kunkka's book on Howard Cruz, yeah, which good. I think is fabulous. Yeah, it's really uh, good. It's a- it's a really good. It's a really good look at Cruz's life and career, and it's a mixture of biography with comics and comics history. Um, it, it's a tremendous. It's a tremendous book. Um, then I also have uh, Pulp Empire, uh, the Paul Hirsch book, and I have not read that. I've I do not own, or have I read the um, the other two books, uh, the uh, Exner book or the David Kunzel book. But but Andy's book is really good. I would say that unequivocally and to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I don't know, not knowing about the other three nominees. So, you know, no, no critique or criticism there. But if, if I don't, if, if I don't win this, I really hope Andy does because he's a good scholar and uh, that's a terrific book and a really worthy and important subject. Um, And uh, he would be like, I I would be very happy for him if, if he got it. If it's not me, I hope he gets it. Nice. Yeah. And, and I also it, it, uh, I noticed that two of the five, uh, including your book, of course, are uh, published by University Press of Mississippi and two mm-hmm. of the five are published by Rutgers University Press. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm guessing uh, they, they must be very prominent in the uh, academia publishing worlds. Yeah. So UPM is um, UPM is like the is sort of. I don't know if they still are like the comic studies publisher, but for a long time they were the comic studies publisher. Now a lot of other places are, are dipping in doing some really good work. So uh, Mississippi is a leading publisher. Rutgers is a leading publisher. Texas 
is one. Um, Bloomsbury does a lot of really great scholarly work. Um, and so does um, uh, Ohio State University Press also has a really burgeoning and, and very good line of comics, uh, comic scholarship that they put out. But but Rutgers in Mississippi have been sort of the two of the largest players in this for decades. The more you know. No, now you know. How about that? <laughs> Do you, um, you know, because again, like, I mean, we had you on when, you, when, you, when the book was first published, but what, like, once the book hits hits the world, how is it for you? Like, do you, do you how often do you talk about the book? Do you have to promote the book? Like, is it once it's, or is it a point now where it's like pretty much just out there in the ether and it exists and, and occasionally you, you talk about it, but, but other, like on a time like this when it's nominated for an award, I mean, I'm just curious, like how, how omnipresent is this book in your life now well, versus when it hit the, hit the stands? Yeah. I mean, I think for when it first came out, it, it was um, mm-hmm. because, you know, and you guys know, like I was, because it came out and, and we all know a lot of people, like I was doing a lot of podcasts from people yeah. that we, we know or have known. So, you know, it was really a big thing. You know, it was really, you know, consuming thing for, for a while when it came out and then it sort of, sort of petered out, but it kind of has, uh, kind of has a life of its own because people don't just like buy, like very rarely do people buy academic books and then just read them. Um, they just don't. Um, and, uh, like, most of the reviews, like for academic publications, the most of the re- like none of the reviews have even come out. Like I know that there are reviews, but they haven't even hit this. They haven't even come out yet. We're over a year later, right? So once reviews hit, it it sort of it will, I'm sure, ebb or excuse me, flow uh, a bit more. But it was kind of on pause. It, it, and the weird thing is, is like, you know. You know, in, in comics, like where you're constantly publishing or you're constantly trying to like hustle and do all these things, like in academia, it doesn't quite work that way. In fact, like no one really knows what the hell you're doing. Like, like I'm in a, like my department right now. Like, I don't think more than one person knows that I even wrote a book, um, which is fine. So, uh, you know, like if you're not out there, like in people's faces about it all the time then they don't really know what's going on. But in comic study circles, like, you know, like, I'm not like a big deal, but like, you know, I'm a known quantity. Um, So those conversations happen really, really differently. And I I hear from people all the time um, picking up and asking questions or or wanting to talk things, talk things over. And, um, and because of stuff like that, like, it's not as though like the book is omnipresent, but the book has allowed me, um, sort of it, it's it's elevated my presence to to such a degree where like it's like i i was just recently elected second vice president of the comic study society so what that means is like i'm on the i'm on the executive board for the scholar like the major scholarly organization in comics so right now i'm second vp but in by 2024 i i will assume the presidency of of that organization where we are sort of trying to guide you know, comic studies into whatever it becomes, um, hopefully positively. But that includes, you know, running our journal and our conference and, you know, and all kinds of stuff. So it has this sort of sort of shadow life, I guess, where like in comic studies, yes, it's all happening. But like out in like the lay world or in in like the like in the hallways of my building, it's it's just kind of either flows in and out or people have no idea what's going on at all. 
So it's been weird. And the other thing that's been weird, and I, the other thing that's been weird is like some of the folks that have really picked up on it though is there's a lot of like people interested in, in the occult and new age stuff that are, are are picking up on it because of because of the subject matter and because um, one of the people that I cite you know fairly heavily in it because he's a good historian is Mitch Horowitz and because and then Horowitz read it and he likes it so now like he's got like all these like you know new age folks and and new thought folks that are suddenly interested in the book so it has this sort of it has this sort of sort of strange compartmentalized existence where like I'm not always sure what it's doing but like I can tell that it's doing something somewhere at some point um and it's just you know it's just but it's just not something I feel in my day-to-day or like I have to like encounter very much in my day-to-day if that makes sense i don't know if that's too too weird or messy a way to put that but like i said like i i work at you know i work at a fairly good sized university i don't think it, more than one person knows that i wrote a book <laughs> so um and they certainly don't they certainly don't know that i got you know nominated for an eisner or that mm-hmm. i had other academic award you know nominations or anything like that either not not to not to go off on a tangent but but uh I'm surprised to hear that only because I would have assumed, I guess, incorrectly that like being a professor at a university, aren't you like all expected to publish? Like, isn't it kind of like presume that you either have written something or are in the process of writing something or is that oh, not always the case? Yeah. Well, that's not always the case. Okay. Um, it, it depends on the university, first of all. Um, but even like at like large, like big schools. So like when I was doing my grad work at MSU, like, Yes, everyone is expected to publish. Yes, everyone is expected to publish, you know, multiple books, right? Um, but no one's really talking to one another. It's all so siloed, at least in the humanities. It's all so siloed where nobody really knows what the hell's going on with anybody else. Like, unless you make friends with someone or a book or a project or a scholar hits it so big that they are just like a presence. Um, so, you know, like if I – like. There are people like that I worked with at MSU who, you know, regularly win, you know, big major academic awards from, you know, the Modern Language Association or uh, Society of Cinema and Media Studies. And if you add, which is big deal, like big deal people. But if you asked like any three random people in the hallway, what was the last thing that that person published? They would have no idea. None at all. Um, Not because they're being mean. They're just busy doing their own stuff. Right compartmentalize worlds like worlds worlds within worlds within worlds yeah yeah absolutely i'm so glad that um our worlds are overlapping because uh i mean if long-time listeners know that that um i'm a believer in many things uh zach scoffs at so (laughs) the fact that my little ocean is is splashing onto his sandbar that's the best thing in the world for me (laughs) Well, you know, though, like I've said that you, you and I have talked about the same any number of times, like just because I, even though that there are plenty of things in the world that I think are just complete and utter nonsense, right? <laughs> um, I love you like, way you put it. Yeah. Well, let's just be clear, right? Uh, like, even though there are many things in the world that I think are complete and utter nonsense, that doesn't make them uninteresting. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's all. That's, that's what. I'm invested in like, is this interesting? Has this had an impact on the way that we talk to one another and interact with one another? If that, if, if that answer is yes, 
then let's find out what the fuck is going on. Right. See, that's and, the mindset of a true scientist or, or historian where you evaluate the facts such as they are, and then yeah. you discern whether or not they're worth following. That's the way to do it. You just don't blanket. I mean, yeah, you, you know, you'll, I get a little bit of ribbing about this stuff, but at least you acknowledge that there's information here. I'll check it out and then I'll draw my own conclusions based yeah. on what I know. That's great. I mean, a lot of people just blanket condemn stuff or dismiss it. That's not the way to do it. Yeah, but you know, to be real, <laughs> to bring this back to sort of like, you know, the the major sort of function of the show, like to bring that back to comics, so that's something like I really learned and became like a, a big, like an important habit for me, like through comics and like movie watching and in the communities that we all, in the circles we all sort of run in, right? Because we we all know someone that that likes a book or likes an artist that we think is absolute fucking trash, <laughs> and, and you have to find a way to like negotiate that space with that person or with that or with that object because you either really care about this person or you want to not come off as an asshole, you know, on a message board somewhere or whatever. Um, like you have to negotiate that space and figure out like, okay, so like, well, I don't see the value in this, but someone else sees the value in this. And how can I relate to that? Right. Right. Or if, or if a lot of people see the value in this and I don't see the value in it, then what's going on in this field or this medium that I, if I, that I supposedly care so much about, like if everybody loves this and I hate it, like, well, maybe there's something here. Right. And I don't have to like that thing, but that doesn't mean that there's not something there. Right. Uh, and, I, I, I think that, that I think that that's like one of the things like we kind of have to learn like you know is people that you know participate in these communities like how how can I how can I say that I hate something while or think that it's absolute garbage while being kind to while still still trying to be kind to either the person that made it or the person that I know is listening to me talk or reading this post that loves it right like we don't always succeed at that but. Like it's just a, it's a thing that we have to do in order to sort of keep the keep these things going. Otherwise, it, otherwise the whole thing just falls apart. Because inevitably, dismissal of something to other people automatically equates where oh you must be judging my tastes or or right. th this is a this is a commentary about me because I like this and you right. don't. So you're speaking directly to me. Where well, that's not that's not ever the case. It, it's it's very hard to critique these days without um, a bunch of ruffled feathers in, in your wake. Yeah. And, and yeah. you could run a disclaimer where, you know, the, the, the statements within the following do not indicate that, you know, you're dumb or you suck, but I mean, they I, might. <laughs> yeah. But so, I mean, it's very hard these days to, to actually critique or, or review or any kind of commentary on anything without having tortured, hurt souls in your wake it's but yeah. it's inevitable that's why i'm not about the kindness so often because it i think it's an impossible feat you cannot make everyone happy no no i don't think you should try either yeah right like i mean i think once you once you try to start making people happy i mean then you put yourself in a position where you're going to ultimately be compromised in some way right, right? If, if, like it, i mean it doesn't mean you shouldn't be kind to one, to one another you should be kind but like but if you're if you're just trying to please someone for the sake of pleasing that person or for the sake of your own ego because you don't want to be hurt by their potential negative response, and I think you're I think you're in in for a heap of trouble. 
Um, World like of that, you're, <laughs> like that, that, is, that is the that is the malignant that is the malignant blob of mediocrity that is coming after you and going to absorb you, right? Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't cotton to that. Yeah, so, you're you're stuck in the ice rink, and here comes the blob. What do you do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't do it. Right. I just can't do it. Yep. Larry uh, Hagman. But there, but there, you, yeah, you, you ultimately become Larry Hagman, and then and nobody wants to be Larry Hagman. No. <laughs> Not even Larry Hagman wakes up and goes, "Oh, I'm glad I'm Larry Hagman," right? Like, <laughs> so hang a Barbie Eden, though. Yeah, 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 good times. I mean, that's that's true. Good right? times. Yeah. So, All right. So maybe for a couple of years, right? Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Knowing you and and loving you as I do, I get the feeling that after you win the Eisner. Um, and you become the Ditko guy, it's not going to be a bad thing for you. You're going to look at it w- as, as a badge of honor. I mean, oh, are yeah. we, when, when you do win, are we still going to be able to talk about the, the, the Shriners kids or, we, or does that going to be like too, <laughs> oh, are you, no, are you kidding. not going to just, oh, <laughs> those kids are adorable. <laughs> right? Thank you. Oh, I mean, beautiful children. Caleb is a puppet. I'm convinced that kid's a puppet. <laughs> He's no, I, so cute. But anyway, the opinions it, of EOC hosts are their own. Well, how could what, what we Airbnb stays? Yeah, I mean, how could what we said be construed as? Not. We love those kids. <laughs> yes, we do. Hundred percent. Yeah, Mario's not here. So this fine. is true. I mean, so everyone I mean, with a soul is here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I even listen, b- b- before before the book, I I just knew. Ever since, yeah, like 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 Zach said earlier, with with, with all the forums everywhere we've been online and at cons and whatnot, I just I'm I'm just we all the three of us have been doing the podcast long enough where we all know someone. As a creator, we've either you know hung out with or chatted with at a con, or or we've had on the show that arise in winners, and it's okay. Yeah, that's cool. This is someone who is actually a, a, a legitimate friend that we know, and and from the before time, and and it's 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 just an absolute. I I could not be happier. Yeah. For yeah. For, for anyone to, to to receive a nomination like this, it it's it does it absolutely it it made my day hell of a lot brighter hearing the news and and it and, and it is the it, and it absolutely is for someone who is so deserving of it i mean, the subject matter aside but but the, but but the fact that you do put your heart and soul into the work you do it 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 should be rewarded i'm glad people are going to recognize it but it it absolutely should be rewarded and i i, I could not be happier and prouder for you yeah, thanks man i love you too <laughs> all of you guys you know that i mean we are yeah. we are family Right, like we've been family for for as long as as long as we've known one another. So, sure. uh, so thanks. You know, and, and the, I think that the thing about it is that, you know, like when when the Comics Journal thing came out with like the best of 2021, and the book was on that for TCJ's best of last year, and I was like, oh, I might actually get something out of this you know for for the for the eisner stuff i mean i wasn't like worried about it but then when that happened i started to think um i started to think like okay this is a real possibility now and um and brenna my wife and i we were talking about it and 
you know, and, and what it boiled down to is, is a lot of this stuff, it, you know, it, it was the same, this stuff came out of the same place as Appleseed, right? Like when I was doing that for those years and that was so, that was such a good show. And, um, you know, ultimately this thing, whatever this is, whether it's just a nominee, whether it's just the nomination or if I actually, you know, get it in July or whatever, like set my ego, my ego is completely, you know, set my ego aside on this as much as reasonably possible. Like I'm so proud of the fact that like I made something that is contributing to a conversation in a way where people are like, are saying like, Oh, you did a thing that matters for the way that we see this, this person, right? You did a thing that matters for the way that we talk about these comics and in these circumstances and, you know, like that's like that's just like such a like a humbling thing like to do that and like like where other people benefit it and get a joy and get joy out of it or have a new understanding of someone or even quite frankly and this might sound insane but like if someone wa- if someone comes into that book with all sorts of off the shelf ideas about who Steve was and what he believed right big scary air quotes there like what he believed or that he was a crank or any number of these other falsehoods, right? Uh, if they come into that book with that mindset and walk away with a different mindset or more complicated mindset um, about even just him, if not about comics or, you know, sort of the history of ideas or, or whatever, like that, oh my God, like to do that for another person, like that's incredible. Yeah. Um, yep. It, it's, uh, and to do it in a way that like on like a mass scale, like I'm not just like publishing pamphlets, you know, or, you know, doing zines that I'm, I'm handing out at like bus stations or something like that, right? Like selling pencils out of a cup. It's <laughs> um, it, it's it's happening at a scale where where a community can can feel it and, and is impacted by it, and that's that's an amazing, right. amazing, just beautiful thing that gives me all sorts of warm fuzzies. So yeah, us too. Well, I mean, we live in a in a time where the facts, the truth, um, are very malleable fluid right sure uh, to to know uh, that you are contributing to the history of this person and the medium in a way where you're presenting things that are verifiable and real that's invaluable you can't ha- i mean that is the thing that's what you do it, it you're you're adding something you're not taking existing things and twisting it and bending it and stretching it to serve a purpose right you're 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 adding in a positive valuable way to the mythology the history of this stuff and you can't buy that kind of uh stuff you can't no you can't no. you can only make it right yes, so yes. and and uh, we, we thank you for it. Hey, everybody, this Crucy kid has something under his hat. So get the to wherever it is you get the books and make sure you pick up Mysterious Travelers, Steve Ditko and the Search for a New Liberal Identity. It's from University Press of Mississippi. If you are able to vote in the Eisners, please read the book. If you uh, find it worthy, vote for the damn thing, because this is important. So, uh we love you, buddy. Love you guys, too. Very much. And thank you for coming. Yeah, man. For- so, so happy for you, bro. Love you. Absolutely. Love you guys. Next time, get your ass on here. We'll just talk about comics. Yeah, that's fine. We can do that. I, I have time to read comics now. So. Woohoo! Yeah.
Oh, you amazing. like these, you you like crap anyway. So yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> mostly, that's, mostly, <laughs> that's mostly true. Uh, you know, my heart my heart still aches from that from that uh, goon book of the month club you guys did ages ago. So. <laughs> Dude, I can't figure out when you post in the Slack the movies that you watch. I can't figure out if you're being serious or you're being satirical. No, he has great taste. Serious. In, you know, he's yeah, got great taste so, in music and oh, movies. Oh man, we it's, it's both. You, I love you like a brother, but. Like I think we literally are on opposite ends of the spectrum in, in film. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think we need. Well, to he's not bougie. Realize so. that. So. Oh, uh, he's not bougie. He's the movies not. He gives five popcorns to are very bougie. It's like it's like a Fellini, like 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 art house cuts from like nineteen like thirty three. But that's he's not like, all he watches. He's like, I I I had my kids watch this and I'm thinking. I, I don't know oh, if yeah. I should. They in trouble? I should give him the thumbs up, or I should call Dyfus on him. I don't know which. Oh, it's it's both, right? So like we watch we watch the art house shit, right? Uh, and I love that, but like we also we we watch as many things on Criterion as we do from the American Genre Film Archive with just all trash cinema. So it's it's, it's you know one or the other, like it's just swinging pendulum. It's one night. One night it's Basket Case or Basket Case Two, right? And then the next night it's you know fucking Kurosawa for six hours. Yeah, I'm going to make a little plug here that I rarely do. If you buy the DVD of or the Blu-ray of Basket Case, those liner notes in there are written by me. Get the fuck out! Are you serious? I've, I've told you this many, many times. Oh, because I, I mean, because that's that's one of these rare, uh, totally schlocky horror films that I vividly remember watching and enjoying. Hell yeah. Oh. Yep, Frank Kennelotter is where it's at, man. It's a cold, cruel world. It really mm-hmm. is. <laughs> and, and we are so glad to have Zach Cruzy in it. Thank you, brother. You All right. After Thanks, you sir. win, we'll have you back on. All right. <laughs> Love you, man. You call, call me while I'm on the floor, right, at the, at the show. If you don't call us while you're up there accepting it, I am really going to be upset. Yeah. I call dibs I... on CPR. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Next up, uh, we have another Eisner-nominated guest. Uh, this one you've heard plenty of times. This guy's been on almost as often as as I have. He is uh, <laughs> he is he is an amazing, talented artist, but he's a fantastic writer as well. Um, I think he's stacking the deck because he had a follow up. A whole team did a follow up to the amazing. The stray dogs, but uh, now we have Mr. Tony Fleece. Hey, gang, what's what'd you guys do today? Anything exciting? <laughs> uh, nothing compared to your okay. day, I'm assuming. <laughs> Lost an ungodly amount of money. Oh, way to bring the room down, Tone. Thanks. Yeah, good yeah. seeing you. Good That's night. what I did today, but I mean. I haven't even looked, but I, I assume that means I lost a, 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 pittance, a small amount of money in comparison. Uh, well. <laughs> I guess it's Better. all relative, but yeah. <laughs> so let's let's put this in perspective. Seriously, yeah. We've all known Tony for a long, long time. And Tony is one of the nah, – I'm not blowing smoke up his ass, but he is one of the hardest he, working guys in comics. Always doing something, always pushing, always extending, trying new stuff. Um, and to see you – succeed um th- th- i mean the eisner nom is great but but th- to see something that you've made connect with so many people and now to be receive uh, some kind of recognition from your peers for that man it's gratifying and i'm not even you 
yeah, it uh, it does feel very uh, very gratifying when people talk about uh, how, what an honor it is. It really it does feel uh, you know, like an honor, you know, like somebody came up and said like, hey, way to go, buddy, you know, like like <laughs> Will Eisner's ghost said, eh, you didn't fuck up too bad. Have <laughs> <laughs> uh, have have you um have your friends in in the industry who have been nominated or won have they reached out to have you reached out to them to ask them you know what do you is it just has it been a normal afternoon for you yeah, or is it pretty normal day i mean you guys know i found out last week um they sent an email out to us uh, and I, I let you guys know ahead of time. Don't say that. Apparently, you're not supposed to let anybody know. Yeah, um, Zach was like, we, D- Dab said, Zach, you know, why didn't you tell us? And or, oh, uh, who said? Jason said. Somebody said it. Whatever. Yes. And and Zach said, well, I couldn't. They told I'm me not to. Like, yeah, hey, well, I guess everybody who receives the Eisner nom doesn't act the same way. Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna win. <laughs> no, you're, I got a good feeling you're gonna win, but keep, keep going. Well, well, let's, let's, I mean, I, you know, I do love the Eisners, love me some Eisners. And, uh, and often we don't have like any kind of formal like coverage of the Eisners cause we don't have family nominated. Uh, but, uh, but I will, I will say that, uh, we don't get to vote for the Eisners either. Unfortunately, in fact, it specifically says when you, you can apply to be a voter. It specifically says if you're a podcaster, you can't apply, yeah. but, uh, but, um, I would say your category, best limited series, is a jam-packed category. I have read five of the six, yeah, and all of the five that I have read are excellent, excellent books. Uh, the the nominations, of course, Stray Dogs by yourself and Trish, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow by another EOC friend, uh, Tom King and Bilquis Evely, uh, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr by Ram V and Philip Andrade. The Good Asian by Pornsack. Uh, I believe it's Pishishote, but I could be fucking that up. And Alexandra uh, Tefenki and Beta Ray Bill Argent Star by Daniel Warren Johnson. And then the sixth, which is the one I have not read, uh, is called Hocus Pocus by Rick Worth and Jordan Culver. And based on the the details beyond that, I'm guessing it's a webcomic, which yeah, is pretty so. interesting that a webcomic would get best limited series. So I'm, I'm actually pretty intrigued by that. But, um, but yeah, so like jam-packed category – but uh, it's still fucking really cool, dude, that you got the nom. Yeah, I mean, that when I saw... Because when they told us last week, they just said, you've been nominated. They didn't tell us who else. So I was just like, oh, man. I sort of had some of those in mind. Like, I'm sure uh, Layla Starr is going to be on there. Yeah. You know, and I felt like The Good Asian was probably going to... Just sort of based on the you know end of the year list and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just been like, well, it was nice to be nominated <laughs> you know, from the moment... From the moment it happened, and just sort of set my expectations at around there, so that if you know if anything crazy does happen, then I'll I'll enjoy the surprise of it. But Are yeah, you that, planning on going to the show? Like, do you go to San Diego right on the regular? Yeah, I mean it's like a two and a half hour drive. Okay, so it's it's easy. Uh, I got a room. I, I hadn't planned on getting a room necessarily. I was just gonna go go down and hang out if we if we hadn't been nominated. But I was like, oh, I'll go hang out for a couple of days. Image is gonna do a. Uh, exclusive uh of the dog days trade for san diego so we'll go down there and sign those trish is going to come out nice uh, oh so yeah we're going to do it up man we got to go to san diego one of these years and people always tell us that but we never we never pull it off uh, you guys have sort of gamed out the ones like i feel like for what you like and what you like to do you you're sort of figuring out the ones like heroes is is yeah. sort of your speed 
the the amount of bullshit to original art and and book shopping in San Diego, plus the idea of like shipping stuff across country if you bought it, like it like it would be one to go. Um, if there was some, you know, like something like this, like if you had some, like a panel or a nomination or something where you could go and there was like an extra reason, but I think just to do the con, like you've got already got the ones you. Like Maybe got, just to bring the family to visit San Diego. I mean, it, it, not to just go to the con, like you're saying, because yeah, yeah. it isn't, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, New York can be, I mean, we kind of avoid New York on, on, we go in the morning and then on Saturdays, and that's kind of, so I'm not comparing New York to San Diego, but it is as far as what it offers, it's, and, and with the whole media and, and TV and movie focus it, it 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 is an east coast version of san diego to a degree yeah it's but there's still something so like historically yes significant yeah, about yeah. san diego because when i think when the when the layman thinks of comic-con they think of san diego right and i've had many as i'm sure you guys have had many conversations over the years with normie friends who are like when you say oh, i'm going to comic-con they're like oh, oh yeah san diego that's cool they're like how is that and then i say oh i've never been to san diego and they look at me like i thought you were like a comic expert you know like they look at you like they side eye you like wait you've never been to san diego like yeah. what but yeah i mean this would be the year to do it if, if we were going to do it with all of our it friends been, yeah. yeah yeah oh man that would be cool to tear it down with you guys oh uh, shit let me drink away my sorrows Let's do it. Dap's turning 50. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, week. I think we should take Tony to Tokyo. No, I've been Dude, saying. we need to. He's been, yeah. He's, Tony's been, Tony has said countless times when we do Tokyo, he wants it. I go to Tokyo. I'm coming home with a Japanese bride. That's it. I mean, it's <laughs> happening. Dude, I just watched Tokyo Vice and, and I'm even, like, I already was at a thousand percent when I go to Tokyo. Now I'm, like, Two thousand percent. Yeah, they're my people. Yep, yep, yep. Um, uh, before, I, I, just to, to clarify, uh, Jason, the reason it's a it, it's got a URL, uh, Hocus Pocus, is because it's not distributed by Diamond. You, you order the issues through the website. Oh, neat. Okay. It is. It is. It is a mini series, but it's yeah, print, but the is first print. issue sold out. So I'm like, how do you? It's out of print. How, how can you? Okay. At any event, but yeah, so that's what it is. Nice. You were okay. saying, Henry. Well, cool. we broke with format a little bit. Um, for this special episode we didn't do the drink roll call and we also didn't tell you who made this whole thing possible that's true yes so uh if you're wondering uh or you want to wag the finger at the responsible parties the patrons um are to blame for all this and they are all congregated in one spot and that's patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics one one no apostrophe they're there every month in and out for us um, we give back in some small way, audio, video, images, uh, polls, and the best of all is our Slack channel, where we gather nice. each and every day, like the family that we are, um, sometimes a support net, sometimes a sounding board, always fun, always entertaining. So if you want to uh, see what all the Patreon stuff is about, go to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics and... The drink roll call. How can we forget that? I knew this episode would be very special. So I made sure to have uh, some wine. And I picked up a bottle of Apothic Dark. Nice. The dap, the cork is black. Yeah. It's the best. So uh, so you know my, my plan to save all my corks and do something artful with them. Now... 
I have I got pupils. I have an accent cork. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm I'm gonna need more than one. Luckily, this apothic dark is really good. I don't yes, care what is. Jason says. It's very good. Yeah, I mean you just go to Wawa and pick another bottle. <sighs> Dude, the label's embossed and it has it has silver <laughs> leaf on it. Like how could it get Listen, how could how could I ever make fun of a of a Bittner that, you know, is so widely distributed? It, it, None of which is a concern. The way you're carrying on, dude, it, it sounds like you're going to be like buying cases of this soon just because it's all you're going to be able to get. It tastes very good, and that's why I love it. The it's booth, just like, you know, you... you it's the like... thing on this show is when Jason makes fun of other wine drinkers for their wine taste. <laughs> it's like... Not booze. I mean, listen, it's like... It's like if, if a dude... Like came out of a like a a bubble, and then he had read all these years, and he was in the bubble about like the idea of a hamburger, and then he gets out of the bubble, and he's like, "I want a hamburger," and like whoever his handler is is like, "Bet," and he brings in a White Castle, and it's like the guy probably eats the White Castle, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is magic," and like on one hand you're like, "Well, that's cool," like he's he's loving his experience, and like that's all that matters but then the other hand you're like but like it's white castle and there's there's things that are burgers that are infinitely more tasty and it's just like it's like you know that's a serious thick is like one step above boons it, it's a diss but i i don't care to take it as one no, it comes from love, though. Like, no, it doesn't. Like, You're saying it, you are ignorant of the finer things in life. No, you, no, you no, no, scum. no, no, no. It, it comes it, it from the fact scum. that, like, it's not like Apothic is free. If it was free, I'd be like, yeah, it's free ninety nine. Like, do what you gotta do. But like, you paid some amount of money for it, ten bucks. And I'm guessing you paid probably not much less, if not equal to what you could get, like some really delicious bottles of wine for. Like, I suppose ten, eleven dollars. It was. Oh, so you, dude, you're, you could get so many wonderful bottles of wine for $11. Mm. I'm like, just saying, like, I, I like, like it. Though. I love that you love it. And, and you know, and you, you're one of my, you know, you're one of my, you're on a short list of favorite people on the planet to me. But like, and again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here buy, saying you got to buy Petrus, like, or like Camus. I'm just saying, like, when I talk about the wines I drink, it's not like they're $100 bottles of wine, $100, $100 bottles, but like, you know, I don't know, dude. Like, okay, like apothic's rough. You talked about to drink a thirty-five thousand dollar bottle of wine with a guy like two weeks ago. Okay, yeah. but I didn't buy that bottle, and as I and and what did I say about it? I said it was fucking delicious, but I also said it was an absurd waste of money. Right. If you're going to give somebody the best tasting hamburger on the planet, you do not give them White Castle. Right. You give them the Whopper. No. <laughs> well, you are ex Burger King, so I can't front on that. There's not a burger on the planet that tastes better than the Whopper. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Right, Moving Jason. right along. Take Jason, up. what are you drinking? Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am drinking. It's uh, a Whopper. And by the way, the, the bottle I'm about to talk about was only $17. So, like, it's not much more money. Um, I'm drinking from Argentina, uh, Marcello Pellariti. Reserve Malbec, 2017. Nice. Very nice. Yep. <laughs> uh, tell us about your coffee, Tony. Oh, I'm having a, a sugar-free Rockstar. It's the one in the white can with the gold star. Uh, 
I have to stay up late. I'm drawing these uh, CGC commissions for stray dogs for the <laughs> couple, uh, couple of uh, months. How's that work? <clears throat> so we did this private signing with CGC, and they flew us to. Uh, well, I flew into Baltimore where Trish lives, and we just got a hotel ballroom and signed, you know, fifteen hundred or three thousand. I can't remember the number. A ton of stray dogs. Um, and then they also commissioned, they had set up a thing where you could send in a picture of your dog and a stray dog's blank and we would do your dog, which was a very popular idea. And we forgot to set a, uh, limit. Oh, so I've got, uh, I just sent off two boxes this weekend. I've got, uh, 11, no, nine boxes now of like 30 each. So I have like 300 to get through. <laughs> Wait, what? You have to draw hundreds of people's dogs? Remember, you guys remember when I did those $3 sketches? Of course yeah. I do. They're still yep. hanging in uh, in my son's bedroom. This is like that all over again, uh, except for way more money. Uh, right. And How so, much did these cost people? Uh, about 200 a piece. God damn, dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No wonder you got that central air working. I'm in the wrong <laughs> line of work, man. Yeah, yeah well, me they too. tell you that every week, bro. I'm in the now. How now? Did they get to specify whether it's you or Trish drawing it, or is it up to you guys? Oh, so it's it's both. So Trish penciled everything, and I'm inking and grayscaling them. So it's both of us. It's basically like the full straight dogs because that's basically what we did on the covers. Right, right. So you get the basically the full straight dogs experience. But okay. to, to, uh, on your part, you don't really. I'm not downplaying your your creative efforts, but you don't really have to think. Yes, you're well, ju- yes. you're just sculpting lines, which is great. I can go on autopilot to a certain Yes, point. yes. Yeah, but so that that's what I'm doing. I'll be up late tonight doing that and then trying to do all my other work, uh, you know, around it. Luckily, I've, I'm have i doing mostly writing right now, so uh, that's more brain work than, like, you know, hours and hours work, if that makes sense. Like, it's just I can, I can sort of still be working on that while I'm, while I'm mindlessly drawing dogs. Yep, right. So let's let's get back to the creative aspects of of what happened today. Let's want to know what I'm drinking. Oh boy, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I do. Because I pulled this bottle specifically for our guest tonight. This this guest in I particular. I was gonna say, if you're drinking a pothic, I'm out. <laughs> Boons. It's a real problem. It's becoming a problem. <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon from California, uh, bottled in 2019. It has. A, uh, a cute little um, uh, Bulldog Terrier on uh, on the label. The monocle. Oh, oh I so saw I that today. It, I could have also used it for Zach with the monocle looking all smart. Uh, so, yeah, the the, the, uh, the French Terrier here, it, it's it's Bar Dog. And it I is, saw that, yeah. Yeah. And and they proudly donate to local animal rescues across North oh, America. It is it's awesome. it's really tasty. Yeah, no, it's, huh. it's it's not my first time having it. It's I think it's my first time having their cab. But it's um I may end up finishing this bottle that I opened uh, about an hour ago. But yeah, no, this is, it's, it's yeah, really me good. too. God dang, sweet. I'm gonna look that up. No, we don't yeah. play around. Maybe Tony, you can do a promotion with these people. I I yeah, I, was, I would at least like to go there and see what they're up to if they're out here. Yeah. yeah, so I'm sorry, Dad, but back to the it's the cool. creative angle. So now, um, what kind of a place does 
Eisner recognition. Okay. Look at that. Holy shit. <laughs> Fast tax right there. You I, I mean, Eisner? So, I just bought with my Eisner money. So, so you've, you've been nominated for an Eisner. This we know. Now, does, <laughs> does that throw a shadow over the, the creative process? Meaning that, damn, I've been recognized. I've arrived. Now I got to do something else. Where does that push you creatively? Like, um, do, do you see it as a, a, uh, a thrust into the corner? Or are you now out in the open, in the light, able to do whatever you want to do because people know you got the stuff? Like, how does the mind work in, in the wake of something this significant? Creatively, that, that creative mechanism yeah. that, that you employ. What happens when someone says, hot damn, you're good. And, and and we're going to recognize that fact. I mean, you know me. Uh, I, I was already sort of propelled by um, like the idea of uh, like trying to prove something, or you know, like people think that I have this to offer. Let me show them what I actually have to offer. You know, um, and with Stray Dogs being like being as successful as it was, I already sort of had the like. All the stuff that I'm working on now is basically just like, man, you know, how do I do that again? How do I do something like that? Um, and so the Eisner nomination hasn't made too much of a difference because I feel like I was already sort of in that place of just like I have a lot to uh, to live up to with this book because it sort of came out exactly how we envisioned it. And I like I I don't think it's um, like pompous or whatever to say that it's a sort of like a once in a lifetime idea you know like the having been the, the kind of person that's creative and has ideas all the time i haven't had before or since an idea as good as stray dogs so like i have good ideas and i and like i feel like there's stuff that i can that i can build up into something and do like the do the work on to make it into a compelling story but just the concept of dogs that are kidnapped by a serial killer as his trophies and don't know it it, like I don't, I don't think I'm going to stumble upon that again uh, soon. You know, like I've got, I've got stuff that I think is cool and like concepts that you could sell to somebody, but just like that's a real easy sell. Um, and then it, once I had that idea, it was just a matter of like, all right, well, so just do something as good as that idea. And I feel like we, for the most part, got there. You know, like it was just living up to the to the concept. Um, right. I don't so, think you're being entirely fair to yourself. Well, I, that, that's my way. I'm generally right. not entirely Be, fair to myself. I, I think in the in the the uh, the wake of stuff like this, you become a name, uh, because you've been recognized, even nominated. So now, I mean, you're Tony Fleece, right? right? Can Scotty Young say that everything he's done since I Hate Fairyland was as good as I Hate Fairyland? That's up for debate. But Scotty doesn't care, right? Because he's Scotty Young. You're Tony Damn Fleece. But I feel like you always care, you know, like. To some degree, yeah. But it is a matter of believing in yourself enough to go like, all right, well, I know how to do this. And so I've got, I feel like I've got enough to go on that I can really start getting into this, digging into this story or figuring out what this is going to be and not worry too much about, is it going to be good? Like, I feel like if, but I've always sort of thought, like, if I make something, it's going to be at least a certain level of good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's just a matter of making sure that it's a level 
beyond that. You know, <laughs> I have to do a little bit better than that, but I don't, I'm not like, uh, trapped by the, by the success of stray dogs or like the acclaim or the, right. or any of that. Like I, I'm, I, I have a, a battery in my back from it partially because financially I don't have to do other shit right now because of it. Uh, so I can just really keep my head in stuff and work and, and come up with stuff. Yep. And so that, like, if anything, that's what I have anxiety about is just like, I don't want to, uh, misuse this time that I have thanks to stray dogs by not coming up with the next two things or whatever, you know? Right. Right. But some of the gravy is that now you have a legion of followers. Yeah that will be there for you you have an audience which is great yeah. and and they know what we knew all along well we're gonna see you know like i part of me is like how much of this is just people who really love dogs <laughs> and how much of it is you know people that are, are willing to to follow me around but even if it's you know a quarter are, are willing to to stay with me you know it's sort of like the um the calculation that the image guys made, right? They're just like, all right, if, if the people are just here for Spider-Man, if I can take 10% of these guys and go do something else, then then that'll make sense for me. I, I can live a life on that on that audience. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So say you come up with um, another great idea, and you will. Yeah. What do you do if it involves an animal? Do you be like ah? Do you totally discount the idea because man, people are going to think I'm 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 resting on my laurels, right? Dude, I'm only doing animals. Like the stuff that I'm doing. <laughs> 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 like I, the stray dogs came out of me working on My Little Pony for as long as I, I was going to say your your two biggest successes yeah. to date have been yeah yeah. I hadn't like when I before My Little Pony when I would think of ideas when I would come up with concepts or stuff it would never have animals you know for the most it wouldn't be like oh what if this was a duck or what if this was a goat or something um, and since My Little Pony like that part of my brain sort of opened up just from being in that world so much uh, that that's sort of where Stray Dogs came from and I feel like it the same way that Scotty was uniquely the right person to make I Hate Fairyland because of how much time he spent in Oz, uh, I feel like I'm I have a unique uh, position as far as like telling stories about animals or telling stories about you know just like from different perspectives than than people because of how much time like my brain got rewired to do that and so absolutely i'm i'm doing that like nice Chris are working on our next thing and it you you could be guaranteed that it will be about cute animals uh, because what would you know like because we're not foolish well uh, that's the other i mean you just touched on the other thing i was going to say which is that you said <laughs> Trish and you're working on the next thing like obviously you've you've had lots of collaborators co-creators you know uh You've you've drawn four writers. You've you know you've you've written other stuff, drawn by others. But like, so it you know it seems like what is it about your collaborative uh, professional relationship with Trish that ma- you know makes makes you want to do more projects with her? Well, I mean, we work together really well, um, and and part of that is is sort of like the trust that we have uh for each other like i know when i give her something you know like what she's gonna bring to it and so i can sort of like go here do this and and i know what i'm gonna get back 
Um, I feel like I have that sort of trust with most of the people I've collaborated with, but I mean, obviously there's the outrageous success part of it. You know, like even if we didn't get along uh, and and love each other and like have such a, a great working relationship, you know, we would probably have to figure out a way to make it work to do it again at this point. But luckily, you know, we get along great. Nice. Now, so you I, tell me that you're gonna you're gonna redraw you're you're gonna have you're gonna have time time chopper redrawn completely as animals? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh, fast X. I think he's going around the block. I just want people to know that's not my neighborhood. No, it's, it's <laughs> Dap's neighborhood. You're not gonna be able to hear it over the AC anyway. In the window, but um, so time chopper by the way is coming out now. We got the, the I got the shipping update. I, I, Good. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So it's crossing the ocean right now. Left Korea on May sixth. Yeah, see, you know. <laughs> I listen to your to Tony's Take words. Take a baby formula, get time shopper. And uh, Tony, uh, a couple of the words you just dropped in this, uh, in relation to to Trish, uh, trust, uh, relationship, all that stuff. I don't know where she lives. Is she anywhere in proximity to you? No, she's on Baltimore. See, see, that's amazing. So. Um, how does one? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm definitely on the outside of this this creative relationship thing. How does one? How does a relationship get to that point? Being so far away. I mean, yeah, the internet and, and we can communicate instantly and all that crap. But um, trust isn't developed lightly, right? So, yeah. how does how do you, does one cultivate that kind of relationship in a creative atmosphere? Being so damn far away. Well, I think people that listen to this will like anybody that's tried to make a comic with somebody or tried to do a creative thing with another person will understand the experience of like getting onto a thing with somebody and then sort of realizing that you're not on the same page or that one person is putting in more effort than the other person or somebody flakes, you know. Um, like there's so many stories of like, oh, I was, you know, like every time I go to a convention, and then somebody comes up and talks to me about a book they were working on. It's like, I was working on a thing with my buddy, but he got a job. He couldn't blah, blah, um, And Trish, you know, when we started working on this, she she was doing, like, I found her. I found her. I didn't discover her. Like, she was a person who existed in the world. But uh, I knew her from pony conventions, and I saw her work, and I knew that it looked like what I wanted this thing to look like. Um, and But I didn't know if it was going to be one of those situations where I say, you know, Hey, do you want to work on this thing? And they say, yeah. And then, you know, like a year later, nobody's drawn a single thing. Um, but it, with her, it was really the opposite. Like as soon as I told her the story, she started doing little doodles and stuff. And the whole time, like till now she works a full-time job. And so she'll be like on her lunch break or in a, in a meeting or something, sending me little sketches on notebook paper or post-its or you know doing little digital doodles and then when we actually started working on the thing she would just very consistently turn in the work and the work always looked great you know and like our communication our back and forth and i don't know if part of it is because um i had been in like doing the job that like she before she even knew about stray dog she just wanted to draw my little pony comics and that's what i did so I don't know if part of it was like uh, she like 
respected me as somebody who had had done the thing she wanted to do. And so it was sort of like a uh, like, I don't know why she was so diligent and so good beyond. She's just like a great worker, you know, and, and a great artist. Uh, but like, that's a level of trust that like in the three years it took us to put the book together, you know, never missing a deadline, never failing, you know, like she got everything done. She, you know, she had uh, surgery while we were working on the fifth issue uh, and she drew half of it laying on her back, like <laughs> holding a, a tablet up in the air and, and drawing it so that we, we ended up being one week late, but you know, like that's somebody who was totally paying her bills and getting by just fine without comic books, you know, like she just w- wanted to make this thing that we made and she, you know, she jumped in and was in, like amazingly dedicated and, and just based on the I- idea of a, a story that I told her. So it wasn't like, hey, you know, if you do this with me, we're going to be nominated for an Eisner and we're going to sell 500,000 copies and blah, blah, blah. It's like, just here's the idea. Do you want to do this? And she was willing to do all that. So, like, if you can't trust somebody after all that, you know, and and know that also based on the the audience that we built and the way that people love the book, like, it's a pretty safe bet that when we do this thing we're going to do, uh, people will come around for it. So now it's a little bit more of a sure thing than before. But I don't think it's I don't think anything's a sure thing like like Stray Dogs was. You know, right. I can't I can't say like this next one's going to also do all the things that Stray Dogs did. Dude, you sold five hundred thousand copies. Yeah. Holy shit! Holy shit! Jesus! <laughs> what? You should be buying us Wait, dinner. What, <laughs> bro? Sure. Except Dude, you're buying us around. That that's what I'm year. saying. Shit. As if one Eisner nominee wasn't enough entertainment tonight. Then we had two, but that's not even enough. We're going to have three. So it is my great pleasure to bring back to the show, uh, longtime friend of the show, and someone we've we have. It's been so much fun to watch uh, his career uh, blossom before our very eyes, uh, and. Um, this gentleman is is nominated. I have to say, uh, you got to give him his props because not only is he nominated for an Eisner this year, he's nominated for three Eisners. He is nominated for best short story uh, for uh, Superman Red and Blue. He is nominated for uh, best limited series against our fourth chair uh, and good friend Tony Fleece for Beta Ray Bill Argent Star. And uh, as if that weren't enough, he is also uh, one of the nominees for best writer artist this year. Uh, up against some pretty stunning competition. Uh, so please welcome back to the show. Hello, everyone. Wow, I think you're a little happy. More happy than happy. usual. I am happy. That's amazing. Dan, have you conceptualized that you were nominated in that last category against Junji Ito and Barry Windsor Smith? <laughs> he didn't before now. Oh, uh, Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. What to the a point life. where I can't really believe it. So all I can be is thankful. All I can, all I can say is, uh, I don't know. Thank you. Gosh, I don't even know who picks it. It's like a. At this point, I don't know. It's, uh, it's like librarians, and I should know more about this. <laughs> Tony was explaining the process to us earlier, uh, or no? I mean, uh, Zach was explaining the process to us earlier. Okay. He he. Uh, he, he Yes, I guess they they pick a panel of very uh, 
very accomplished people from all walks of uh, of, of of comics and literature to uh, to cull through all of the nominations to pick the the, the finalists. And kudos on the uh, Superman short being included in it. That was definitely a bright spot in the anthology. I, I I enjoyed most of them, but but yours with the whole your special with Pocket Man, I just you you know how to um, especially with a character like Superman, but you you know how to uh, pull on my heart, my dude. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you so much. I uh oh jeez, I can't believe it. Yeah, how's it feel? I mean, I mean, has has it has it sunk in? I I think based on our conversation with Tony and Zach already tonight, like you probably already knew you were nominated like a few days ago or some time ago. But like, but how how does it like? Does it feel weird? Does it feel neat? Does it like? Are you trying not to really let it affect you one way or the other? I mean, I mean, it does feel weird. You know, I it feels neat. It feels like feels awesome i i uh i can't believe it It, it's kind of crazy like the fact that like this is happening uh (laughs) so i am uh just i'm super thankful and i'm trying to just be thankful see you later bro sorry i have a buddy leaving um i uh had two beers instead of one tonight so Uh uh-oh uh (laughs) it's just a it it feels good it feels like i really accomplished something and I'm pumped. Uh, it's a nice little badge that I, I feel like I kind of get to wear. And I, like you said, Dap, like I really feel all good about that Superman story. And I remember I like was getting, uh, I was in the suburbs, Chicago suburbs, waiting for my wife to pick up dumplings. And uh, I thought of the idea, like in the car while my kid was screaming, and I cried. <laughs> I made myself cry before Aww. I made it. <laughs> um, so. You know, I, I was really proud of that that story regardless, but it's also just it's nice to get the accolades. It's I can't lie. It feels so great. Well you but you both, you and you and Tony both need now to update your websites with the little Eisner yeah, that's right. logo emblem badge. So <laughs> Well, I mean, being that we uh EOC has has, you know, we our tendrils run deep, we, we we've arranged for Dan for you to win uh, best short story and best writer artist, and then we're gonna let Tony take home best limited series. If that's okay. That sounds like a oh, That almost sounds like a <laughs> consolation prize. Uh, no, 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 not at all. It's just we want everybody to get a dub. So, right. okay. <laughs> Tony, are you going to the awards? Yeah, I live in LA, so it's a short drive for me. So I'm gonna go. Are you going? I don't know. I mean, have you ever been to an Eisner? Before? Yeah, so <laughs> the very first time I went to San Diego, I thought it was like the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> you wore a black tie? I found out you could go, and I had – the first time I went to the uh, to San Diego, I rolled deep with like just a crew of my normal non-comic book friends. Um, and so I was like, you guys got to come see this. It's like the fucking Oscars. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> and then we went, and it's a four-hour show. Bill Morrison from Bongo Comics was the host. They didn't know who anybody was. My buddy Chris was trying to go see Goblin Cock because they were playing uh, that night. And the whole show, he's just complaining. He's just like, I could be a Goblin Cock right now. Uh, <laughs> and instead, we just sat there and watched uh, four hours. I made him stay the whole time because I was like, you can't leave. It's good. They're going to be offended. Meanwhile, like everybody's just wearing shorts and their lanyards and stuff. And people are talking and coming and going. Like, uh, But I've never sat on the other you know, like there's like the side where the audience sits, and then there's a table where you have dinner and stuff. Uh, and I have not sat over there, so maybe it's way more exciting on that side. No, it's not. It's not any more exciting. 
Well, <laughs> then I'm sorry. I probably maybe I shouldn't be burying the Eisners. I, I don't mean to be doing. That. I know Felix uh, is going to make you go, Dan. Like, there's no way he's not going to. I know Felix is texting me like, "Holy shit, you won! You you are, you got nominated for three Eisners. Save me a save me a spot at your table." And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going. You're going. <laughs> if you don't go. You should have Felix accept for you. That would be fun for him. Oh, true. Oh, I, I'd love to just see what Felix would say. <laughs> on behalf of me, like with no prompt. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm just once again I'll say I'm I'm really really grateful that I own art a lot of art from both of you already. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> no, listen, don't oh boy. Because <laughs> I, I, I I mean Tony, you know I know he 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 prices his own stuff, but I know Felix is already like doing the calculus. Like, all right, Dan, new prices are going to be this. Can you Felix so, prices those Stray Dogs pages. He's not fucking around. That's right. I forgot he did the covers. He sold the covers for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, ever since that uh, Darth Vader piece auctioned for a lot of money, everybody started emailing Felix, worried. It's like, does this mean Dan's art's going to go crazy? And Felix was like, don't worry. Yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I feel like Felix is quite fair with that when it comes to like pricing and those kinds of things. So I do trust him completely. And, uh, yeah, uh, I guess we'll be sitting together at the Eisner, so I'm excited. I love it. It really does. I mean, tonight, you know, we've like we've we've had you two on, and we had another friend on that was nominated for in another category, and it's just so much fun to 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 see people that you like, you know, we we know and love personally, like you know, kind of yeah. rise up and and hit that 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 status. It's pretty cool, man. So you know what's crazy is like I remember like sneakily dropping off space mullet postcards at your table at C2E2. Yeah, like, I was gonna say space mullet. Yep, I mean we. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty thirteen. I think it was twenty thirteen. Yeah. Like I was, wow. like, I was like, oh, eleven o'clock comics, man. They're where it's at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on that right. show. Oh, uh, <laughs> so deluded. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, D- Daniel, as, as a creator, I, I know you put you invested the same amount of energy into all of the categories, but if you had to pick which one you would want to win. Which one would it be? Um, I think probably best writer artist because that's like the thing that I've kind of built my brand on. I guess. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, all that to say, I mean, I'd be happy with anything. I mean, anything. Well, sure. Yeah, but I mean, so you're nominated in three categories. Chances are you're going to walk away with an Eisner, and it. You know, I <laughs> I love you to death, but. Barry Windsor Smith was nominated. Oh yeah, for yeah. three. Junji Ito and <laughs> like, Bechdel. What what is happening? The, the, <laughs> can you imagine the flex? I mean, like not like I would actually ever do this, but you know, oh, if, right. I de- if I defeat Ito and <laughs> Barry Windsor Smith, I mean, like I am stomping. I'm yeah. stomping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually think that's going to happen, but can you imagine? Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, yeah. No. The fact no, that no. I'm just like on the same uh, billboard as those creators is, uh, yeah, it's insane. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of speechless. It's got to be a wonderful feeling. It is a wonderful feeling. And it's kind of actually like Jason's talking about. It. He's making me all nostalgic. But like, I was not that long ago that I was like, not really. I mean, I was working hard, but people really didn't know who I was. I mean, some people did, but. I just I've come a long way, and it—I uh, don't know—it doesn't really feel like it's of any power of my own, but 
it's it's just it feels good to be here, and I do feel like I worked hard. So right, I was gonna say, I, I think, oh, for you and yeah. for you and Tony, it's a hundred percent power for your own. Like it's, it's but, you guys actualizing your careers and your talents. Like it's right. It I think that's a unifying theme for all of the people we've had out tonight. Zach, yeah, absolutely, Daniel, 100%. Tony, yep. it, perseverance, drive, determination. Like you, you just and believe in believing in themselves, right? Right, like exactly. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Right. I couldn't set it better myself. Yeah, there, there's no magic recipe for success. It's just putting in the work, right? You, you got to do the time. Yeah, for real. Yeah, and it's also nice to know that, like, um, with like best limited series, like, about half the time that I was working on Beta Ray Bill was like a really rough time. That was like second winter of the pandemic. I was having a really hard time, like, going and drawing every day and knowing that. You know, there are like small things you can look forward to when you can't really go out. But, you know, it was a rough time. And uh, I just uh, it's it's I, I'm proud of the book looking back on it with or without an Eisner. But again, just to like get that, you know, that little stamp, it feels like it made it more worth it, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Have you had any communication with Walt? I have not. You know, uh, I really wanted to do that interview that I did with him with Beta Ray Bill issue one over the phone. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't really an option. So we just did email. And I was trying to, like, find new ways to ask, I'm sure, the same questions he's gotten this whole career. Right. Um, but it was still, like, it was still awesome. But since then, you know, I haven't connected with him at all. And he did actually a cover for Jurassic League issue one, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know. I came out in the comic book store, and I was like, "Oh, who did a cover?" <laughs> I mean, you'll you'll both be heroes, so you can you can maybe meet up then. It's true, you know. I did meet him once, where uh, it was a New York Comic Con. He didn't know who I was or anything, but he really had to go to the bathroom, and I was the last <laughs> guy in line. Oh no! And he was like getting up to leave, and I was like, uh, "Hey, uh, Walt. Hey, how's it going? Um, would you mind signing?" My copy, he's like, fine, all right, come on, bring it over here. <laughs> Listen, as, as an older gentleman, I mean, that, 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 you know, the, the prostate is, does what the prostate does. It's, yeah, it requires, you know, trips. Thanks, Walt. <laughs> right? And New York Comic Con and, and, and restrooms, man, that's something. For real. Oh, it is a, that's an adventure in of itself. So could we, like, sponsor a steel, could EOC sponsor, like, a steel cage match at the Eisners between Tony and, and Dan, could we make that happen? Oh, I don't have the energy for that. This guy is, uh, you know, like he's way more energetic than me. Even his artwork is so energetic. I, I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. You no, know? I'm just trying to sit there. Well, how, about, uh, how, about, how, about, how about a wrap off? An MC battle? mixed handicap, mixed handicap match. You can bring Trish in. I'm sure Trish could take him. We, if we could have a snark off where we just like both say snide things about other people and whoever has, has burned. Well, you're going to win that as a rap fan. You're going to win that snap battle. Like Dan's, Dan's like just a, like he's wait he's too nice a person. Like I don't think Dan's good at the snaps. It's true. As soon as I say something snidely, even in a joke, I feel bad about it later. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Plus, you put a guitar in this guy's hands, you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but true. But you give it, you you drop a beat on Tony, and he's good to go. Though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. I don't think so. So I'm maybe not... they should team I up. Mean, how many people have have have, have collaborated with the Wu Tang? I mean, gee, I don't know. You know what I'm <laughs> 
By the way, Dan, we were saying before you came on that uh, that we really loved your uh, your like commercial. Uh, I don't know, commercial or like the promo video you did with the, with the fam about uh, about do a power bomb. That was fun. Thanks. I, I I thought of that myself, and I, I as I was filming it, I was like, wasn't really sure what was going to happen at the other end of like making it, but I was like, I think this is quality. I think people will appreciate this, and it turned out really well. Is there more of it? I was hoping that there would be like a, a lead up to the series. You would drop little bits of your dad or your wife content every couple of weeks. <laughs> That's a good idea. I was afraid of oversaturating the comic book market with images of my own family basically making fun of me. <laughs> I've tried to explain wrestling. With everything that's awful in comics. Have the baby in there. That yeah. sort of activity would not, would not be oversaturated. No, it should be a YouTube series. <laughs> yeah. You would crush kayfabe. Crush the oh, Vince would absolutely <laughs> There is a 10 or 11 minute video of the conversation on YouTube and then like a two minute social media version where it's yeah. like the best of. Um, but there's like an hour and a half of stuff in there. But honestly, most of it is like my dad just talking about how cool I am. Uh, and it's really endearing, but like, you know, it only works for so long in an interview. <laughs> I always wonder, so, like, and well, I guess this question is for both of you, like, 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 now that you're comic creators of some renown, like, did, did your, did your parents ever read comics before you all kind of became professionals? And then do they read them now? Gosh, what do you say, Tony? I don't know if they read them. I'm, my mom has read Stray Dogs, um, and she has a, a sort of hold file at a comic store where they, she just gets <laughs> comics. Aww. Nice. Um, and my dad, I think he might have read it, um. But before, no. My dad was an artist in in college. Like he he took some art classes. The, some of the first original art I ever saw was like drawings that he'd done. Oh, nice. That was always inspirational to me. Uh, and then he was a, a music teacher when I was growing up. So they were very like encouraging of of like artistic endeavors. But comics, no. They they would throw out my comics more than encourage me to read them. <laughs> <laughs> they were a little too little too sexy looking or one time my dad threw out a Catwoman comic by Jim Ballant not because it was sexy uh-huh. her claw looked like a devil and I was like man that is a stretch <laughs> my mom and dad are super fans to the point where they will like wear matching t-shirts like out to the mall of like my comic books uh, and it's wow. yeah, I know I know that they're great and they shop at the Hall of Comics in Massachusetts. <laughs> nice. They, ha- they have a pole box there. And they have specifically asked for anything at all that my name is on to be pulled. So I'm pretty sure like they even bought like my Vampirella cover. Uh, they, yeah, they, they buy it all. And um, they're very proud. And then we'll have like random people come to that art. Like my parents' house. Like... I got a FaceTime call from my dad. This is a month ago. And I answer, you know, I'm at the drawing table and there's this like Hispanic guy who's like talking. He's like, hello, Mr. Johnson. How are you? And I was like, hey, man, where's my dad? He's like, oh, right here. And then my dad is like in the yard and he's waving. He's like, hey, Dan, this is Eduardo. And I was like, oh, hey, Eduardo. He's like, Eduardo has a newborn son. He loves comic books. I gave him a bunch of your comics. <laughs> and Eduardo's like, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man. That could have gone so and many Eduardo different ways. Points. My dad has given him a stack. 
like a thick stack of like all my books because my dad just doesn't go in and buy one copy of Wonder Woman at Earth. My dad buys twenty copies of Wonder Woman at Earth, and he has me sign in every single one just in case somebody comes by and he wants to share the love. (laughs) That's that's wonderful. It's pretty amazing. I feel very lucky. I wish I lived in Massachusetts again. The uh, the the and before we, I, I just want to say you know, I, I'm very thankful for many reasons for for, for that dinner in, in, in New York. But oh yeah, you did you did show us the first issue, um, Sans Color of Do a Powerbomb, and it, yep. it it knocked my socks off. And you sent us the second issue. And I got to the last page, dude, and holy shit. Like, <laughs> I can't... You Wait, you hinted that you, you know, didn't see nothing yet. Yeah. Yeah, I read it before. Yeah. And, and I just... I, Dude, this is... And, and also, I have to say that I am... And this is just... This is my own thing. I, it, yeah, I don't hold any... any no, no, no judgment. However people want to do it, they do it. But I am so, so very happy that this particular story... Is now entirely yours. No, no skybound. No, I get it. You know, there's no safety net. Like you know, this yep. is all you. But I love that it is all you. Uh, warts and all. There's there, there's no 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 other fingers in the pot, so to speak. Um, and I know why people do it, and and that's fine. You know, Kirkman's getting his, and that's cool. But I, I I think this is I really as as much as I enjoyed Extremity, as much as I enjoyed Murder Falcon, this one is just. This is hitting me in all sorts of good ways, but but th- these first two issues, man, are just absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Do a power bomb, as you said, completely free of. Uh, I shouldn't say free, just completely on my own. Uh, no skybound involved. Yep, no safety net. It felt like it was time, and it's time for like the rubber to meet the road. And like, is my name big enough that I can kind of start doing my own thing and making my own brand in my own way, the way I really have wanted to for the past. I don't know, however many couple of years. Uh, it was time, and I feel good about it. We'll see. Final order cutoff is uh, Monday. Monday, right? Yeah. Yep. So I'm getting steaks, good numbers or bad numbers. I'm getting a self <laughs> nice steak. <laughs> I, I think, Just... I think the, the, the subject matter, I, th- I mean, the, the, the love of the subject matter comes through it this isn't it's not like you know this was just something you decided to do or or, or it was about you know trout fishing it, this is it's about wrestling <laughs> Whoa, what, you, 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 this is something fishing, i'm not fronting on trout fishing <laughs> i just know of, of all of daniel warren johnson's hobbies i haven't really seen him talk about reels and cast all that often <laughs> so i'm just saying this is actually this is absolutely something that he he loves and and to put it on the page like that all on his own I'm 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 here for it. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think you're a little too cautious. I love you, but I think <laughs> I think you could have done this a, a while ago, but it it it's it's beautiful thing to see someone so um concerned with their uh, appeal. Uh, in the marketplace, but man, <laughs> I want to be your manager because I, <laughs> you, you, you could, you're going to conquer the world. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's just amazing. There's yeah. a moment when, uh, when, when the character Willard Necroton explains <laughs> like why he's doing what he's doing. And he's just like, I love wrestling. And I thought, oh, this is da- like Dan. Dan's yeah. Yeah. Like, it's basically is, me. Especially, yeah. especially the whole, it's all real. It's still real to me, Dan. It's like, dude, uh, this is, this is going to be a, a, a hell of a story. 
Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and I, not to not to yeah. piggyback off that, but I, I I thought the first two issues were awesome. And and again, like we've you know we've been fans of your, of of really all of your work from from Jump. But but I I I really think this is this is like the, like really hit all you hit the beats like exciting exciting moments like crescendos at both both the first and the second issue with the cliffhangers. Jeez. And, what? I feel like a dick. I didn't read the second issue. No, yet. sorry, you were busy producing the show. But um, I will say, because I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, obviously. But I, I guessed the cliffhanger of the second issue. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's I great. guessed it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I bet. And then, sure enough, and I was like, nice. Yeah. But yep. I loved it. Yeah. He, he's great. just reminding us of that fact. Um, <laughs> oh, we're like, dude, you, man, you get, a couple, you, get, you get some apothic in you, and you start getting. Serving hey, the knives come out. Yeah. It's also silly all the way. Dan, can you do me one one favor? Please lobby for a hardcover, please. Yeah, Dan can control that. I'll see what I can do. You know, every once in a while, Image doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to take a chance on that stuff. But I think, especially if it's like a one, you know, a one and done kind of thing, where you know there's not going to be a volume two, just a volume one, it might be nice to just have a hardcover. We shall see. I'm, gonna, I'm hoping we get a hardcover of all the of of all seven Stray Dogs issues and all the variants. Yeah, hardcovers where it's at. I, I look That's at hardcovers as like, aren't they in control of that? I mean, is the um, well, it, it is really up to them. Um, but we're gonna probably do that. Yes. But b- before that, we're putting out the second trade paperback. So forget I said that. All, right. <laughs> Buy the second trade. Like it's the, like it's the last paperback there ever will be. Right. But yeah, they they game it out based on you know sales and all that stuff. Whether or not they're gonna do a hardcover. Um, and, and they oh, also so you it's not like so it's 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 image decision not yours yeah because they have uh they have more of a stake in the collected editions oh too. right okay yeah they get okay. a um on collected yeah, that's good it. i didn't know that so now i know i learned something new about image shit, every day there you <laughs> go great come to our cool. show you learn shit then but, i mean with that yep. to me because i know dap was i mean i think I, we all agree that it's cool that you're you know you're kind of putting yourself out there this time but i will ask i mean with that said, I mean, how has your experience been working the Skybound model? Like, I, I presume it was a positive experience. It was. It really was. And they made things really easy. And uh, all, you know, the only, I got notes on my story, you know, because I'd write a script first, which is just how my process goes. And yeah, I would get notes on the stories. And, but they were really great. They all came from Sean Makowitz, my editor, who's still, on, uh, I think, the editor in chief over it. I don't know his official title right now, but mm-hmm. he's still, you know, the big boy over at Skybound, and he really helped me kind of. He was a big uh, reason why I feel Murder Falcon was so successful as a story. I think he really like pinpointed some things that I needed help with, and just kind of like chopping all the fat off and figuring out what worked and what didn't. And I, I really owe him a lot for you know the success of Murder Falcon and the success. Sorry, the success of Extremity. I mean, like, he really helped me with a lot. It's a 12-issue series, and I had not really drawn yet. Or I hadn't written and drawn, like, a series like that, you know, ever. And uh, he really helped me glue it together. So Sean was a huge part of that. And, gosh, I don't know. It's just a, it was a great experience. And, they're, like, working with the whole team was cool, and I never really had a bad time. So I did have to split the IP, which stinks, but that was a business decision. Sure. I needed to be seen as a writer artist from the get go. I feel I felt like with uh, retailers in order to be able to kind of strike out on my own, so it was pretty calculated 
to like give up two IPs, but I feel like I made the right decision. Yeah. Because yeah. I just, I couldn't, I didn't have the kind of money to uh, go to Image Central directly. Also, Image wouldn't answer my emails. So. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I, I think it's time to flex. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have somebody now that you're now that you're on your own? Do you have somebody that you show story like outlines to? Like, do you have a, a group that you show stuff to, or are you just completely flying blind? I have a uh, I have a person who was in comics a while ago that has been helping me out, just like looking at story beats and stuff. Um, I don't really show stuff to my friends until the book is done because I love my friends, but I don't want their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until it's like too late. Like I only really want my wife Rachel's opinion like in my name. ear. Yeah, tell like, the baby I, name too early in the process because everyone will tell you why it's wrong. Exactly. Like I get excited about something, I tell Rachel about it, and then I tell like one or two people who I really trust, and then get some feedback that way. Um, and that's been good. You know, it's also been nice to know that like. You know, I just I I I feel really confident in this story. I'm sure there's going to be stories coming like in my future that are going to uh, really give me a run for my money. But do a power bomb has been like pretty darn smooth. And I think that's because it's just was so solid in my brain for so long before I actually even started it. Um, so, I mean, I was writing issue one, like when I was drawing issue four of beta Ray bill. So uh, I knew that I was going to hit the ground running with, with do a power bomb, so I, I really got a uh, head on it early, but it it had been in my mind since mid to late 2019 of the possibility of doing a wrestling book. Yeah, I remember um, at some con, I don't, probably New York, I don't remember which con. Yeah, I had probably was New York, but you were like, we were just kind of chatting at your table, and you ran through a couple ideas that you had for creator owned books at the time, and yep. you were like nervous. You're like, oh, I don't know, though. Like, does yeah. anyone want to buy a book about? baseball or buy a book about wrestling and you know now like lo and behold you've been ticking them off so i assume i assume this time next year we're gonna have you on here and be talking about your baseball book but, but yeah. so. we'll see we yeah. shall see you know what speaking from someone on the opposite side of the table listening Maybe. to a guy with with your skill be like eh, man you know i don't know i don't know if anybody's <laughs> anybody's gonna read this it's like you just want to grab you and shake you and, and say like have you no idea of your ability like what are you doing it, it's it's just amazing that it, uh, going through the i read the first issue but going through the first issue of powerbomb you can really tell that you love wrestling like it's apparent on every page that it's not just like nah. I'll do a book about wrestling. Did you mix it up for the kids? You know, but you can you can <laughs> tell the, the the RCA. Hey, if you like super boxes, you'll love doing right. <laughs> right. The, the 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 just the infatuation with the sport that you have comes through on every page. That's top level. But then you get the story you've written and the art that accompanies it. It's like oh my god, this is too much. Yeah. There's the Disney moment, dude. The Disney moment, the first issue. It's like, oh, well, I wouldn't yeah, call it break. I wouldn't call yeah. it Disney, but yeah, it's well, no, you know, because every Disney film has that moment, right? But I, it's it's I something get exactly what you're saying. I don't. Yeah, I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to. I got you. Doesn't come up, but yeah, yeah, you know, but it's like, yeah. oof. sacrifices must be made. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. Tony's books was filled with goddamn Disney moments. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, I right? Think that, absolutely. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Fucking yeah. Bambi's mother running around. Like, what is this? <laughs> <sighs> Not for me. Uh, all right. So, we, so Dan, do you do you? I presume you like many of us. Uh, I know you were once super into New Japan, but I assume AEW is the main itch that you scratch these days. AEW is the main wrestling itch that I scratch. Um, I know that New Japan is doing their best, but man, the clap crowds—they just are the tough. Hundred percent, yeah, ruined it. Yeah, I really—it's really hard for me to get into it. I mean, yeah, I can still appreciate the uh, aesthetic and just the overall match quality that New Japan still brings to the table. But a lot of the early, like, you know, they take their time. They really tell a story. And I feel bad saying this, but it's like I kind of need a crowd to be invested in the the early mart part of the match as well as the end. Because I'll watch some of the, you know, big shows that they put on now. And it's just dead silent when, like, Okada's, like, doing his chess match, which he's so good at. But there's just not enough going on that like kind of keeps me there, and I'll kind of drift out. And then like ten minutes later, they're going a hundred miles an hour, and I'm still amazed by wow. these athletes and how um, how great they are at this craft. But it's still getting to that point, you know. Maybe I just need more bite-sized pieces, or maybe it's that AEW has like a hot crowd every week. I'm not sure, uh, but AEW is my main thing right now, and I will be at Forbidden Door. I am. That so was my excited. next question. I assume yeah. so. This is Chicago, okay. yeah. Our friend, it, it, uh, our friend Arnie's going to be there as well. Super jealous, dude. Like, like Dap yeah. and I, you know, we we both have. I mean, Dap and I were longtime, you know, wrestling fans, and then I think like many just struggled with 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 what WWE became, and uh, you know, kind of lapsed. And then I got into New Japan uh, actually through a podcast because like they were big New Japan marks, but it still, you know, nice. wasn't quite like like I was into it and I would watch the big matches, but it wasn't like you know. But still, I mean. Right. Um, but but I mean AEW has like far exceeded like I, I I didn't think I would ever at this point in my life like wrestling as much as I do again because I didn't think we'd ever have like a product as that was like as as high quality at least in terms of what I want to see as we as we have now so and I don't know that like I, I mean history tells us that like maybe it won't always be this great but like I'm gonna enjoy it while it is this great because it's pretty incredible right now I feel my, exactly the same way the uh, my um. My coworker, who I used to, I'll, I used to go to his house for the WWE pay per views, and uh, the, just recently, the, it's the pandemic, I go to his place for the AEW pay per views, and he'll actually, he's uh, he went in with the uh, Wrestling Observer, and and he's actually going to Vegas to to go to the pay per view. Awesome. I asked him, I asked him if his wife is still ordering it, so I can go to his house and watch it, and I'll find him in the crowd, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's 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 leaving work uh, next week and on the plane. I mean, he goes to Vegas every once in a while, but he uh, he's I'm I'm happy for him. He you know he he, he was still trying to convince me up until last week that uh, you know they still got tickets. I'm sure there's a seat next to me. You can still come out. And I'm like, I got heroes next month, dude. It ain't happening. But yep, uh, it's um it's yeah I'm I'm it is it's it's what I I mean I my brother and I in the uh, in the eighties. We when we would went uh, visit my grandparents in Massachusetts, we'd watch World Class, uh, and then at Saturdays six oh five, the TBS we'd watch NWA, which eventually becomes WCW. But mm. that was Saturday nights. That was that was what I loved: Mulkey Brothers, 
horseman road this is what made me a wrestling fan and then vince has his whole thing with uh, that at our vince but mcmahon has his thing with the size queens and 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 all the, the the superheroes and the comic book gimmicks and and it that becomes what it is and and you know he had he still had some great performers because i mean macho man steamboat they, these are my dudes so i enjoyed them over there but i was kind of phased out until tony khan and the gang and and it it makes me a fan again it it, it, it reminds me of what i enjoyed back when i was growing up and I'm, I'm i'm glad AEW exists for that i appreciate these uh these kind of insights because i have basically been a wrestling fan since 2018 right oh. here, a noob. i am a noob and i got into it because of new japan uh, i got into it that way and i fell in love with it and then when i kind of came back to see what the states had to offer i was like wow wwe is nothing like new japan i don't know for whatever <laughs> reason in my noob you know wrestling self i thought it was kind of the same everywhere and it's of course not and um, uh, so I couldn't really get into the WWE product, but then when uh, AEW started in the States, that was kind of like my United States wrestling promotion that I would follow, and I loved it, but I realized that they were, I was so used to New Japan, like New Japan was the only pro wrestling that I knew, all these like promos and people talking a lot, you know, all these things that are happening outside of the ring, I'm like, whoa, 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 this is a lot, and then I realized that like, this is just like they're taking from the golden era of like American pro wrestling and like bringing it to the front to bring it to the light. And it's actually been really cool because like I kind of keep up to date with, you know, the podcast and the news and everything. And I'll hear people talking about things that are happening in AEW that I did not even know were referencing things from like 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of embarrassing that I don't know that, but then like oh, I'll go back yeah. and I'll research it and I'll be like, holy shit, that was so cool. Like and I'll like look at old matches and I'll like see like the storylines that they're kind of referencing and the people that they are like this is so silly, but like you know the frog splash is mm -hmm. used by so many guys in the on the roster in AEW. And I was like, this is the coolest move ever. I wonder who came up with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just had no idea. You know, and it wasn't mm -hmm. until I saw, like, Dark Side of the Ring where they're talking about, you know, Eddie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my yeah. gosh. That's where it's from. And uh, so it's kind of a backwards way to fall in love with something. But uh, fall in love with it, I have. And I've tried to pay respect to it through the comic art form. <laughs> You did, dude. And I will say that, I mean, you know, for, for our listeners, our, our Legion listening here, I'm sure a lot of them have already pre-ordered it because they love your work. But for those that are on the fence, like, like while I think if you are a professional wrestling fan, like, it's going to hit you in all the right ways, uh, you know, um, I, I will say that, and I mean this sincerely, I don't think you need to be a pro Graps fan to really enjoy uh, do a power bomb. Like I think, I think the book transcends the fact that it's about professional wrestling. Like, so I, I, for those that are on the fence about it, cause you're like, well, I'm not really into wrestling. Like, like give, give the book a try. I think, I think it'll, it'll win you over either way. I'm really, I really appreciate that you said that. Cause uh, this is something that I was kind of worried about. I was like, you know, I'm kind of like Vince said, I'm like, are people going to follow me into this dark corner of the universe? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, but just how, like, I don't feel like you had to enjoy metal to like Murder Falcon. I feel right, like exactly. the same is true exactly. yeah. with yeah. Do a Power Bomb. Yeah, yeah, the story is still, I mean, it's still a a, a heavy story. It, it, there's still there's still moments there that I think, you know, if, if 
depending on your family situation or, or, or the people in your life that you care about. And, and you've, you've, you've gone through some things and, and there's something I think regardless of wrestling aspect of it, I think there are things to a certain degree that, that are relatable in the story. So I think some, there, there are things that are going to connect to the reader, regardless of their connection to wrestling. Hell yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, listen, sir. Uh, first of all, once again, congratulations on uh, on the trifecta of nominations. So, uh, you know, well-deserved, though. I think it's been great to, uh, to see you blossom. And then again, I think you've earned it. Um, and uh, yeah, so FOC on Monday. So people will be hearing this on uh, on Thursday. So make sure if you haven't already pre-ordered, first of all, shame on you for not having done so. But, <laughs> but you still have time to get to your store. Make sure that you uh, you grab a copy. It's well worth your time. And uh much love to you, dude. We'll uh, we'll we'll check in with you, and uh, we'll see you at Heroes. Likewise, cannot wait to hang out. Beers on me. Nice. Definitely. All right, you heard it awesome. here, folks. It's on the record. <laughs> well, it's not. Like, right. I don't think he's saying our whole contingent. No, <laughs> he's saying yeah, it's on the record here, so that yeah, okay. we'll be at yeah. the show, and they can be like, oh, I remember Dan loves your beer. He doesn't hey, have Dan, avid listener of Eleven O'Clock Comics here. Just wanted Where's to my beer on that Miller Light. I'm calling in my Miller, beer. Thanks, Miller Light. Yeah, we got we, we have nothing but you know. Pinky's out crowd. Right. <laughs> no, all right, man. We'll, we'll, well, much love to you and, and congrats again. Thanks, Take Dan. care. Congrats. All right, we'll talk to you later. So, how you doing, Tony? Oh, man. I took a nap. <laughs> right. Dab's. That's not. Dab's. That's not. No, Dab's waxing. See, I, I love Dab, but if you ask Dab, hey, how was that? lollipop you just ate dap will give you the history of lollipops <laughs> in order to tell you how good that lollipop I was i really prefer freshly spun sugar <laughs> but uh you know but this was this was hand dipped and you know you in know, the, the 1700s lollipops were made out of um uh amber culled from the mountains of of uh saint vitus and then it's like oh damn my man was talking about greco-roman seriously like what is happening <laughs> There, there are other ways to get me to quit before we hit 800. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going anywhere. It's enough of that bullshit. David A. Neesman here. No, it ain't happening. He he likes to puff out his chest, but he's a big baby. He's not going anywhere. All right. There's few things that I actually care enough about to go into detail on. So excuse me. I think that's full of crap, if, too. If, you care about a lot of things. I care about a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. Lot, but there. But but it, the, the, just because I care about a lot of things doesn't mean I want to share every little thing I know about a lot of those things. Right, but there you're a smart guy. I keep. But also, as we were alluding, like we like as as professional wrestling fans, like we're in a halcyon time right now. Like we haven't had it this good in a long time. Hmm. And so okay. and works out. and our guest appreciated. Oh man, the history lesson. He did. So, He's like a okay. little kid. Yeah, it's not. This wasn't. This wasn't for me. I wasn't stroking for just myself. Oh, okay. but think about it, Dap. Like, imagine being a wrestling fan since 2018. Like, how lucky is he, dude? That's. I mean, and oh. right, just right before. I mean, whatever he had available to him, and then and then AEW shows up, yep. and then boom. I mean, that's not. Yeah, that's 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 lightning in a bottle. He'll hate like wrestling in like again. a decade because like, right, AEW and like I don't know, like they'll like. They'll wash out. They'll just burn themselves out. Yeah, they'll yeah, just yeah, the then, stories yeah. will be. Yeah, yep. it happens. Me and Tony will just talk about the RZA while you guys go off. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you make me happier than hearing you and Tony talk twenty minutes about RZA. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> All right. Well, and I mean, the Eisners came. The Eisner knobs came out today. We had a plan before that. We did. Yeah, we did. We did. We, we did. Um, I guess that's the shit. But I, I think we have enough time to enact said plan. Okay. And uh, what it was, it, it's a new feature. It, it's called the single shuffle. And and what we did is we each picked a single issue, and we foisted it upon the other two. Ooh. Yes, and and we're going to talk about said single issues now. Um, I'll tell you what I picked, and then it'll go around the table, and they can all tell you w- what they picked. Um, for my choice, I selected from Image Comics the seventy one seventy four annual. 22 by Ashley Wood and T.P. Louise. That was my pick. Dap, what did you select? I selected, uh, which actually came out today. Why is... Oh, that's Tony. Jesus, I thought that was me for a second. I selected, (laughs) uh, which came out today from Image Comics. uh, uh, Fuck this place, or that's the explicit cover i hate this place uh first issue uh by uh, kyle starks and um rm topolin and uh, lee loveridge yes and also coming out today i picked shaolin cowboy cruel to be kin number one of a seven issue limited series uh by mr jeff darrow nice who wants to go first Tony, have you read any of these? I read the Shaolin Cowboy, uh, but I got the other two on Comicsology, so I'll be I'll be reading along while you're talking about them. And all right, well, let's start with that one then, since you read that one. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so this is, um, you know, it, I guess I, I take for granted that like we all know the Jeff Darrow and his greatness, um, but I guess it did occur to me that that if you I guess it's possible that like people could be big time comics fans and not know much about him, right? Because like if you didn't read, if you don't read Shaolin Cowboy, you, you probably maybe have heard the name. But uh, I mean, that's pretty much been exclusively what he's been doing for what the last twenty years. Yeah, um, some, since like Hard Boiled. I mean, Hard Boiled was probably what in the late nineties, I'm guessing. So, um, but Shaolin Cowboy is basically Jeff drawing himself as a um, Roy Rogers clad, sort of with chaps. Uh, older cowboy who happens to be like a deadly, you know, martial artist and also is, uh, is, is a Buddhist. Um, and, and it's, it's his journey through the world. It's, it's, um, you know, this is, is just the next in a long line of, 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 um, you know, short series that he's done featuring character. Um, and I don't know, you know, it's, you never know for sure if it's going to be the last one, but certainly this is, this series, uh, the first issue, definitely sets up a point where we're pretty late, late in in his his journey. Like he's been around a long time, um, and um, you know the thing I'll say about this is that because uh, I've read all, I've, I'm pretty sure I've read all of every Shaolin Cowboy iteration, but uh, I'd be surprised if I missed one. But but like this to me, like even though it's written and drawn uh, by by Darrow, I. I like I, for me, and I, I don't want to speak for you two, but like you, you three rather, but I, I've I've always viewed this as being about the visuals, like in the sense that, uh, and I think this issue for me was very much the same. Like I don't, I don't think the story is all that like 
tighter engaging, but I also don't think that's the point. Like the point of this is that Jeff wants to draw incredibly like unbelievably hyper detailed pages and, and ridiculously over the top and engaging uh, action sequences. And he wants to intersperse his, uh, his personal loves of, of Buddhism and pop culture satire and, um, and, and post-apocalyptic stuff. And he meshes that all together and he tells stories that makes himself happy. And I guess he presumes that enough people out there will like vibe with his own, his own agenda that it'll help him make a living. So like, I, I, like, I don't, I don't think the story is one that you can or should go deep on, but I think that's not really the point. And for me, this was more of the same in that, like, this is like all other Shaolin Cowboy that's come before it. It like is such a visual spectacle. I could spend hours just looking at each page and the, the level of detail and the preciseness that his line brings is just crazy. Uh, and I thought it was really fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was. And, and I don't like I expect I, I pretty much is exactly as I expected it to be. Like I, I, I thought it was was really fun. And, and I guess the conceit about this one that's maybe different than than prior ones is that the uh, the, the Gila monster is is the is effectively the narrator of sorts. Yeah. But um, but like but, you know, that's that's a, like, a, I guess, a clever little trick. But at the end of the day, like it's still Shaolin Cowboy and. If you've read prior Shaolin Cowboy, you you know exactly what you're about to get into, and uh, and it was definitely worth my time. Yeah, I think the fact that the the main character's name is Clint Mafune is is a, a, a nudge nudge wink wink like you know I'm taking spaghetti westerns and Toshiro Mafune and yeah, sma- yeah. smashing them together, and mm-hmm. um, just to bring back the conceptual continuity. Uh, Toshiro Mafuni starred in a movie called Stray Dog back in... Oh, that's right. I think, um, like, the late 40s. Damn. And, yeah, right? And, so, I mean, it, things happen for a reason. But I, I agree with you. I think this issue was... Um, it was fun, that, you know, an anthropomorphic Gila monster talking about his first interaction with the Shaolin cowboy and how he met and how he saved him and all that stuff. That's fun, but the real draw is is Darrow's artwork, right? Yeah. And of the three issues we read, this one was exhausting to read. <laughs> no, it, it was because just the. I mean, I scrutinize every line, right? I don't want to miss a thing, mm-hmm. and when Darrow puts so much into every panel, I'm I'm looking at the terrain and the characters, and mm-hmm. and in some some cases, you know, the the cityscapes, and it's like. Ridiculous! Just how many, how many marks are in each panel? So, I I felt like I don't smoke, but I felt like I needed one after I read this issue because it was just so satisfying in terms of a visual panorama. The story is, it is what it is. It's fun, but the real draw for me is, and I I think Daryl would agree with this, that the 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 thing that gets you in the door is just the 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 awestruck um, qualities that that one experiences when you look at his artwork. So yeah, I, I, I it was worth the price of admission, but it's a little bit of a lopsided equation in that the fact that the art I think is much more of a draw than the story. Yeah, this was uh, the first Alan Cowboy comic I've read. Wait, what? Yeah. 
I can't yeah. believe it. I, no, it's not. And, oh. and, and I mean, unless he's appeared in in a Dark Horse Presents short or anything like that. But I've I've, I've never. Um, and it's not. Sure. I I love Jeff's work. I, he, he's phenomenal. I just think it's one of those things where I didn't know if I could just if they were standalone stories. If there was one long. If it was like Hellboy, where it's like one long group of minis that you know you should kind of maybe read in order. But um, it's something I would have. I mean, like like Cerebus and things. There are things that I would like to eventually hmm. check out, but um, th- these are just things where I know. Th- but these are just things that uh, I haven't gotten to yet. And uh, and and I mean, I'm I'm glad you picked it, Jason, because I'm I'm glad I dipped my toe in it. It is I I knew what to expect because of Jeff's artwork. I I, I knew that it was going to be dense. There were going to be more drawing lines than there were going to be words on the page. It's it it's it's great to behold. Um, it's surprisingly I, dense, though, in terms of of dialogue. More oh than, yeah, no, there is a ton of dialogue. Yeah, there. more than usual. So I'm not sure if that's okay. All right, so that's not the norm. But uh, and I think probably this is also because and and since I have no frame of reference, obviously because of who the person who the creature is that's telling the story, that doesn't seem commonplace for this. So I don't know if they're just normally um, stories we witness. As, as viewers, or if uh, the cowboy is narrating the, the story in first person. I, I don't know how previous Shell and Cowboy stories are told, but... Um, it's basically did, anything goes. Did, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but it is a lot of fun, because it's just, I mean, seeing seeing the seeing the fights, seeing seeing what he goes up against, It's it was, it was fun. Um, and it wasn't something that I, I finished it and I was like, well, uh, I'm good. I got my fill and I'll never have to revisit. I, I do want to now go mm-hmm. back and, and, and check out the earlier works. But, um, this was, uh, this was, it was a visual treat, but I don't know if, um, if, yeah, I think of the three, which is weird because the annual is crazy, but, uh, of, of of the three, this was this was the one I was lost in because it was something that has been going on for so long that I'm just not familiar with. But right. as far as the first issue goes, I think this and and early on in the issue, there's you know we 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 see our our hero uh, in in somewhat of distress and yeah. we're, and then we get the flashback to to find out you know how we got to get to there. So you know it was. It, it, it was smart of I think it was smart of Jeff to to you know give the story that way. As much as I'm not mm-hmm. a huge fan of flashbacks, I think this this worked because you know you got to find out what the hell's going on. So yeah, by all means, keep reading it as as the seven issues come out. But uh, but I I, I I dug it quite a bit. And it's one of seven. Like holy crap! Can you imagine reading the entire collection of this? I, I would need to sleep for like a day. Yeah, I think that there's something, there's some stories where I think, you know, listen, you should read this as a collection. It, it reads great as, as a huge, massive tome and, and get all the chapters in one sitting, uh, like The Fade Out or things like that or anything basically by Brubaker Phillips. But but this, I think you do need that break oh, after definitely. a yeah. couple dozen pages so you can, you know, before you get to the next issue. There's there's definitely, this isn't this isn't necessarily a binge-worthy book. It, it's great to look at, but yeah, you do need space, I think, between yeah. issues. This is what, if you've never done Mushrooms, this is what it feels like on psilocybin. Everything is in <laughs> extremely 
dense, crystal clear resolution. It's like, holy crap, stop it. There's just too much going on here. It, it's like information overload. But uh, let's ask the Eisner um, what he thought of this issue. I want to uh, give a special shout out to these four people. Mark Sweeney, Runyak Singh, Fred Packleba, <laughs> I fucked that way up, and Josh Laird, who are the color flatters on this issue. <laughs> I cannot yes. imagine like the panel just has like six hundred bushes in it and little windows and little oh, the spl- yeah yeah the and splash page alone I mean all the all, yeah. all the roofs and and uh, Jesus it's yeah. a lot it's a lot once the baby man shows up like his whole thing has all these little tiny details and like these like a comic book so for people listening like a fl- what a flatter does is. I'm sure you guys know by now, but they color in the page before the color shows up. They just break everything down into simple shapes. So when the colorist gets there, they can just go paint bucket or magic wand and just grab stuff without having to like slowly go in and draw out all the shapes. And so this comic, usually a comic has one flatter, but this one has four flatters uh, because it's so crazy. The amount of detail, um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I agree that it is exhausting. Um, but I disagree that it's sort of slight. I feel like, I mean, we can only, we're only in the first issue right now, but I feel like setting up the thing where uh, the little Gila monster, his birth father tried to kill him, and now he's following this new surrogate father. Like, I think that, like, there's, it's, it's possible that that becomes something interesting, or it just gets lost in the mayhem. You know, and and we never we never follow up on it. But it seems like he's got this whole thing planned out. I think he's done drawing it. So I feel like I have faith that this is a person that keeps an eye on details and tracks things. Right. And and there is something conceptually rich about an offspring consuming the parent. Well, for sure. Right. I got something controversial to say about, uh, and like I feel like they'll just take away my nomination right now, but. I would love to see what this looked like colored by somebody else. Uh, uh, Dave Stewart's colored it the whole time. Uh, he's a great colorist, but like I just feel like it always like it always looks a certain way, and maybe that's the point. You know, Hellboy always looks a certain way, but I just look at this stuff with so much detail and so many you know like there's so much on every page, and there's times when what he's doing really works, but there's times where I'm just like it's so. Like the artwork is so saturated, and the colors so desaturated. I'm just like, what would it look like? I guess it would look psychotic, but like, what would it look like if somebody was, you know, like if Rico did it, you know, or like right. if Matt Wilson did it, you know, like Jacob like, Phillips. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I, mean, I, I I get don't it. Think, I don't. I don't think it might work, but I would be interested in just seeing just like what this looks like with somebody else calling it. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, when a colorist gets his, their hands on something, the line commingles with the color. Whereas if, if a, a less, um, I mean, Dave Stewart's pretty rigid. He, he sticks to the contour line, right? But, but if, a, if a colorist with a, a more liberal and um, free approach came into this, how would it look? Like, how would this look if it was colored well, by and Andy Warhol? Like, it would look totally different, where the line would speak for itself instead of in 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 tandem with the color, 
if that makes any sense at all. I think what you're saying about uh, like him staying inside the contour line, like on this type of detail, you have to almost, you know, like it would be impossible to look at if the color was trying to show you something other than exactly what the shape is. I, I mean, yeah, maybe, like if this was a Jacob Phillips book, I, I feel like I would be like confused about where, the, you know, like because he doesn't stay in the lines at all. And it works really well on something that's sort of less detailed, like Sean's stuff. But like with this, you, like you definitely need somebody that's 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 delineating what all the things are. But just like I just wonder about this palette because I do feel like every and maybe that this is just me not having read a, a Shaolin Cowboy in a couple of years. Maybe they are different. But when I picked this up and started reading it, I was like, "Yep, that's that's what it looks like." Yeah, it's a very earthy palette, and and it fits. I mean, that's the that's the button you would push for this earthy palette. But I would just love to see somebody with a big swinging dick come in and just be like, no, I'm going to I'm gonna go outside. I'm going to traipse outside of the contour and just, but, just do it my way. I mean, it may be a mess. Who knows? But it would also, it, you know, when you're, uh, when you're Jeff Darrow and you're such a, like, such a character, you know, like your artwork is such a, a draw that you, you don't want anybody else doing anything that's, right. you know. Shock. Like, I'm not saying ego-wise, I'm just saying, like, you want it to be digestible. Mm-hmm. I am looking at this one page where the baby man's chasing him through this canyon, and uh, and there's, like, he's in the foreground, and the whole part of the canyon that he's in is in shadow. It's really beautiful. Like, you know, obviously yeah, Dave knows what he's doing, but would be interested to see some other colors. Right. Like, and maybe it, I just did... Have you seen Colorist Jam on, on Twitter? It would no. be the... It'd be the most annoying colorist jam ever. Like Rico or somebody <laughs> put up yeah, a, a, a yeah. file. Yes, so, yes, yes, yeah. And a bunch of colorists will do their take on a page. Um, but the Shaolin Cowboy page would be like, you know, three days work. <laughs> of a, yeah. just, just for funsies to put it out there. You should check out colorist jam, though. It's like a, a hashtag you can follow or, a, or an account you can follow. Well, I would if I had a Twitter account. I killed it. Oh, that's yeah, right. Killed it. But uh, to talk to Jeff is um, amazing because he shoots himself down at every opportunity. Uh, We were looking at, Dap and I were looking at originals of his. And he's like, I don't know why anybody would want to buy these. But if, you know, if you're, you know, touched in the head, here they are. They're for sale. And it's like, are are you kidding me? Yeah. You're you're amazing. Why? Like, I love self-deprecating humor. I think it's... It, it, it's a it's a beeline to my heart, but in his instance, come on, quit it. He's one of those guys like that where you're just like, all right, calm down. Like right, Hester, Hester does the same thing where anytime Phil Hester mentions his own art, he's just like this disgusting work that I've done. You're just yes, like, okay. <laughs> you know, especially in Phil Hester's case, it's like stop, stop playing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Shaolin Cowboy, Cruel to Be Kin, number one. Uh, Jeff Darrow, written and illustrated color art by Dave Stewart. Who wants to go next? Dap, you want to go next? You want me to take it? I'll go next. All right. Uh, so, as I said, my pick was I Hate This Place, number one. I thought it was a book about my job, but it apparently uh, is about two women, one of which inherits... A farm, a ranch, uh, passed down from uh, from a great aunt, and um, they uh, the plan is 
her and her partner is that um, they'll fix it up and make a profit, get it up and running uh, so that they can um, sell and uh, live their life, do what they do, what they have planned since they're so young and have their whole lives ahead of them. Uh, but the story starts off before we meet the women uh, with a um, with maybe a heist gone wrong or at least didn't go according to plan uh this gentleman on the side of the road um next to uh actually um two two people on the side of the road with uh waiting for their accomplice and uh their accomplice shows up and uh says that um pulls a gun on them saying that he's going to take their cut too i'm just going to take it all now so um they figured something like this was going to happen. Uh, tell the guy, yeah, well, we buried the money. And, uh, you know, so we're all just going to go home. We're going to sleep on it. Cooler has a prevail in the morning. And then we'll meet up and, and we'll split the money and go about our business and never have to see each other again. And the guy's like, yeah, I don't think that's really going to work for me. So he kills one of the guys. And, uh, and before he can uh, have the other guy tell him where or take him to where the money is, um, Skullcap gets his uh, head torn in half, and um, and and his body absconded into the trees in the woods. Um, homeboy hightails it out of there, and that's when um, that's when we meet the uh, the stars of the book, and uh, they're they move in. Well, they 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 get to the house. They're checking the place out. Um, the uh, we have basically Gabby is the uh, is the niece. She's the one who um, she inherits it, um, and Trudy is Trudy's a little apprehensive about the whole thing, but uh, but 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 she goes along with it because they love each other, and um, they find a hidden they they find a room. Not, not quite a panic room, but a very narrow uh, room that, that seems to be soundproofed, lined with video cassettes and uh, and and a TV and a VCR at the end of the room, and they have the entire series collection of the Facts of Life. They have no idea why the hell all these videos are here. No idea what this why why this room exists. Um, things just seem a little weird about the house uh, because maybe. Auntie was was a little uh, not wrapped all that tight. Um, Gabby hears a noise. The cows are freaking out. Gabby gets touched in the back of her neck. Comes to when you turn the page uh, in the middle of a uh, of railroad tracks with her foot stuck between the slats, and um, and that's when things get a little crazy at 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 that point um they they find one of the videos they find was uh was her aunt saying basically apologizing for putting whoever is viewing this in the situation the viewers are now in there is no escaping this house do not let the ghost touch you never go into the woods and if you see the horned man, you run. You run as far and as fast as you can. Um, there's a ghost 
who lives in the house by the name of Bodie. Uh, don't leave anything around that Bodie can use to write with. Uh, markers, lipstick, anything. Uh, he'll write on walls, he'll write on mirrors, wherever he can write on to let you know he's there. He'll write on. Um, but they still want to, listen, they're going to make the, make this work. This is what they got to do. They still have a plan. Instead of just hightailing it out of there, they're going to see it through um, as much as Trudy does want to leave. But uh, but they had hired some ranch hands and a um, and a manager to uh, to help get the farm running. And um, so we have we have Garth, we have uh, Big Mike and Ramon to work the land. Uh, but then there's also uh, Adrian who shows up, and uh, Adrian turns out happens to be the dude from the first couple of pages who turned on his partners. Uh, so. There's got to be a reason why he's here, and and he's going to uh, add his his fun into the mix. But this was this was a really really enjoyable first issue for me. I dug this a lot. I, uh, I I it came out today, so hopefully anybody who listened to this has read this before. I just got into it, but uh, it it is a um, I, I I like Starks a lot. I like his work. I really think that the, and Eddie's worked with some fantastic artists when he's not drawing the books themselves, um, including uh, even on Rick and Morty. But this was um, this was just yeah, this was a lot of fun. I, I like the characters. I kind of feel a little bit for uh, for Gabby and Trudy. I, I I know what it's like to live somewhere that you really don't want to be, and uh, it's 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 not a little empathetic to uh, to what their plight may be. But this was. Um, this was a really solid first issue. I felt I, I, I dug it a lot. I'm glad I took a chance on it, and uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to more. But uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I got to be honest. When I started this issue, I'm like, oh Jesus, <laughs> Dap picked an LGBTQ plus thing. It's like what? I, that wasn't my intention. I no, I know, that, I know that, that they were, but yeah. But but they're they're a female couple, one of which is is black. I'm like, Jesus, Depp, what did you do? God, i got to read this thing. But if I had to give an award for the best single shuffle, it would be to Depp because I like this issue the best out of the, the, the three issues that we read. I thought this issue was phenomenal because it's speaking my language. Now, the, the ranch may be named Rutherford Ranch, but it's really Skinwalker Ranch. And if you you travel in the same paranormal circles as I do, you know the Skinwalker Ranch is a place where um, UFO activity, uh, weird electromagnetic occurrences, ghosts, um, the the uh, the Skinwalker itself, for which the ranch is named, is a Native American magician that can don the form of an animal. And that all of that is in here, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I, I prejudged this this issue going in like severely, because I'm like, "Oh boy, lesbian couple gets a ranch here we go," and and but I couldn't be farther from the truth. Like this issue was amazing, you know, because you got a robbery with an asshole named Frank Renda who who if not one would have killed two of his his partners just to get the money but guess what the money's hidden on 
the Rutherford Ranch, a place where weird shit happens with ghosts and stuff. If there was a, a, a checklist of stuff I look for in comics, this issue would have checked off a bunch of them. Like, I love this issue. I thought it was great. Um, my preconceptions, I'm an idiot. Like, I went in, no, I'll be honest, I went in thinking, all right, this is going to be this, and it was not what I thought it would be. It was something far, far greater. And I got to thank Damp for uh, pushing this issue under my nose, because I just thought, the rules of the place are wonderful. Don't get touched by the ghost. Don't go into the woods. Run from the horn band. Like, this is, it's folk magic, uh ufos paranormal two characters vividly rendered uh i like these characters i want them to come out of this okay uh gabby and and trudy they're they're real to me at this point i just thought this issue was great so um like i said i'm an idiot and kudos to dap for having a far open mind more open mind than myself for for pushing this under my nose because i'm i'm in Till the conclusion with this, I, I'm I'm I had once you came up with the idea, I had a couple of different first issues that I was I and and I did thumb through them and and started to read them both, and I was like, no, I'm not. It would have been I thought for sure Superman. one of them would have been really painful. Yeah, I thought we were no, going to read no, Superman. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, one of them would have been painful. Uh, as I was reading it, because it became painful for me, and the other one just would have been self-indulgent, and it's one I'm going to read on my own anyway, so we didn't have to go into it and, and tag team. But this was this I felt just like it's an image book. We all like Starks, um, and I, once I finished it, I, I, I had a feeling because of the events in it that Vince would definitely get a kick out of it. I know we yeah. haven't heard from Jason yet, but I just figured based on based on the on the creators that that. Jason would have liked something in it. No, so, th- I'll but, be totally honest with you. No BS. This issue rung the bell. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Uh, you guys ready? You 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 done uh, you done uh, rubbing each, each other off? Or? Yeah. There you, go. I'm, you know what? I I have learned through all of the years we've been doing this to never underestimate David. Never. Nah, I can't underestimate him. Unless Never. He's about Superman, then he can just tune he, out. But well, you go on autopilot. Time. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, you're right. No, um, yeah, I, the, you know, I always am down for uh, trying out pretty much any Image comic debut issue. So this was going to be this was going to be something I checked out anyway. As Tap said, um, I'm generally speaking a Kyle Starks fan, so I thought like it would be something I probably would like. But yeah, I'm. I'm but I'm I'm with you, Vince. I mean, I, I think it was the far and away for me the the favorite of the three, uh, and surprisingly so, because um, like I wasn't sure. I didn't come at it in the way you did, where I was like, oh, you know, the like you thought the you had you brought your own baggage to it. Like Big I, time. for me, I thought it was going to be yeah. a little bit tropey. Like I was like, oh, I'm like like a you know like haunted house kind of thing. It's like you know because like like. Let, you know nice house on the lake like that like that book is still going and like that's perfection and i'm like oh is this going to be like that kind of vibe in which case it's gonna be hard to compete against that but um but no i i i think for me one of the big draws was the couple you know i i um i i, I thought that kyle did a nice job of of making their relationship seem real like they seemed real 
Um, and I, I was completely unfamiliar with Artyom Topilin's uh, art. I had never heard of, of Artyom before this book. And um, it's in a real interesting vibe. Like, like uh, you know, I, 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 I got a little Wes Craig in some panels. I, you know, I, I got some, some, um, like, I definitely think it's, it's, like, it's an artist that I, I hope we see more of because I'm like, I didn't know what to expect because, like I said, I didn't know the name, but but I really enjoyed the, the art stylings. I, I thought that the way that uh, Artem rendered the women was interesting, like, yeah. particularly, I mean, like, like pretty, like, muscular, like a little bit, like, oversized, mm-hmm. right? Like, veiny. Um, yeah, like, interesting. Like, she's a survivalist, you know, gun Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. like, she's got, like, huge veins in her, like, you know, like, she's, she's Jack. She's, she's, she's Jack. Um, and um, you know, I am not particularly like not a fan. I'm not like I don't have much interest in real life outside of comics in a lot of these themes, like Vince does, like the you know the UFOs and the like. I, I like that that stuff generally isn't my vibe, but but uh, but I do love horror comics, and so I thought that uh, this this definitely like played that well. It 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 definitely set a tone, and I got to say that. That the thing that that definitely needs some love that we haven't given yet is Lee Lowridge on colors because um, it's a very very unusual color palette like a lot of hot colors yeah uh, high and, chroma and I thought it worked well with this yeah, yeah. I really thought it worked, yeah. worked well with this um, uh, for me the the um, MVP of this uh, in turn the art's great but Pat Brousseau on letters I think the lettering in this issue is phenomenal mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you think he's doing the sound effects or do you think that's RT? I thought I assumed it was RTM, but you, I don't know. I mean, they uh, look integrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think it was Artyom. Yeah, because they're great, and the and then the color on them is great too. I I would imagine that's Lee. But I was going to bring up Lee too. I thought he he did a great job on yes. this. Like it looks it looks beautiful. Agreed. <laughs> but but Pat's lettering. I mean, it's a clean, earthy, homespun, hand lettering font that does i mean it's not overworked it's not out of the can it's just a, a natural organic way of presenting the text and i think it's just it's this is my favorite kind of lettering when it's just um you, you know not by the numbers at all but it's it's a it's a it's a homegrown lettering style that uh, i think th- there's a lot of the, the emotion the emotional quotient, I guess, to to be Jason in inside of of this lettering style, it just works for me, and it's it's indie. Uh, well, just yeah. the the line art too, like you know, like there's a rough hewn sort yeah. of like G style to the to the lines, and so you don't want the the letters to be too slick and sharp looking. I mean, I never really want letters to be too slick and sharp looking, but especially if you're if you're doing like a you know, like a Paul Pope Heron school guy like this, right. where you see a lot of lines. Yeah. I'm just big winner. So, um, as much as I love the issue that I told everybody to read, I think Dap wins the prize, the best of show. Hmm. Good going, Dap. I'm excited to read it. I have, I have no Kyle Starks experience. You know, so oh, he's, very, wow. he's very, very good. Yeah. I'm always look for an entry point. Yep. And if you want to learn more about the Skinwalker Ranch, watch Secrets of the Skinwalker Ranch on History Channel. It's very good. Unless you're Jason, 
when then it would be all or Zach would it would be all poppycock. But it's it's very good. <laughs> all right. Uh, so for my issue, I uh, floated seventy one seventy four annual twenty twenty two by Ashley Wood and his partner T P Louise. Of course, it's all illustrated by Ashley Wood, and full disclosure, um, I'm a huge, huge fan of Ashley Wood. If if I had a laundry list of of all time favorite illustrators, Ashley Wood would be on that list, pretty close to the top. I think every mark the guy makes is just phenomenal. But um, again, uh, some secrets: a lot of this material was previously published. In the uh, AWR anthology, that's the Ashley Wood reader that he publishes himself through uh, his uh, Underverse company and uh, other places. Uh, it's it's this issue is basically a repackaging of uh, Louise and Wood's work uh, for a different audience, one that may be new to his stuff. What with image recently uh, repackaging Zombies versus Robots. So uh, this stuff has existed in some form before. And um, I hate to say this, but uh, the annual is basically a catalog for Ashley Wood's extended universe. Like, the, the guy has carefully crafted his brand um, where he, uh, he originally had a company called 3A, in which he produced toys, uh, very beautiful boutique toys, and um, T-shirts and, and other stuff. But uh, 3A has has transformed into Underverse. That's his new thing, where you can get all of the stuff that he um, previously made, like pins and... and, and I mean, it, he knows how to market himself, and uh, I think he's one of the more successful guys at doing so. But, um, like I said, his entire Ashley Wood universe is connected. So it's no co uh, coincidence that some of the uh, concepts in this issue, like there's a, a thing called the Underverse, that's the name of his brand, right? And, and, and there are characters in this issue that chances are very, very good that they exist in plastic form and were or are available through some of his, his merchandising arms. So, yeah, the art's phenomenal, but um, all of the, 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 the characters in this issue, they're merchandise, right? I'm not going to lie. The, the, the top level is Astro Boy, or sorry, Astro Lad. I got to give credit to the, the inspiration, which is Astro Boy. But uh, Wood's character's Astro Lad, A-S-H-T-R-O. So you got to say it with a little, a little bit of spit in your mouth, Astro Lad. And, um, you know, this character is, is imprisoned and freed from the Underverse. And so you got Astro Lad, you got Castro. They're all variations on Astro Boy and Haltro, Bomba Boss, Rocket Commando. Like, he has made figures of all of these characters previous to to this issue. So, again, like I said, it's basically a catalog of all of, of um, Ashley Wood's IP, right? 
Um, there's Hannah, the astronaut. She's a lass and an astronaut. So you just jam those two words together and you come up with astronaut. Like that's, to me, that's, a, that's brilliant, right? Um, but, but, so pull back a little bit and look at this issue and you say, what, it's, what is it about? It's about the creative process. How um, artists are driven, inspired by their muse. And, and and the muses have a, a huge presence in this issue. Like Astro Lad um, fights for the remaining muses. There, there's a an evil entity called Wom, that is the wave of mechanical mutilation, and uh, they they genuflect at the altar of the great graphics card, and they've. Uh, they have a crusade to kill all of the muses, destroy them, kill inspiration, eradicate hope, and it's it's the, the astral lad and his compatriots that that try to to um, save the muses and make sure that they persist because creativity would die. It's all a you know a, a big to do about just presenting beautiful art. <laughs> Am I wrong in that fact? Like. Ashley Wood is is really at the top of the heap when it comes to 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 illustrating. Like I, I don't think there's too many guys that rival him in terms of mark making. The guy is incredible. Everything he does is is with great flourish. Like his 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 art is just to me it is what I want to see when I buy art. And I don't know how you guys feel, but I think the guy is divine. He he is godlike in in my opinion, but you you know you get other Ashley Wood IP like World War Robot. Um, he has a, a story where Jesus Christ is is a foul mouth, roided out extinguisher of evil. Um, there's another character called Le Mort Thirteen that originally appeared in uh, Ashley Wood's anthology called Daring Adventure, and that's D apostrophe you know, daring adventure. Um, he, he, the dude was a magician and uh, he was so good at what he did that he um, attracted the attention of this other magical group that, you know, they they asked him to join their ranks and he's like, nah, I don't think so. So they waited till he was in the astral plane and they, they attacked him with 13 magical swords, which didn't work. And and so, like, he has taken uh, visually the best of all of the pulp characters. Like, uh, Le Mort 13 has a skull face, a giant flowing scarf, trench coat, uh, floppy fedora. So it, it speaks to to the the mythology of of the pulp characters, right? But it, it's just an excuse for Ashley Wood to do what he does best, and that's make drawings. You know he's he's impeccable. His his uh, there are some um, illustrations in this book where it's like this man cannot be human. There's there's, there's just no way. But um, and, and the 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 angle with the muses this this issue is very very dirty. Yeah. Like like there is female genitalia depicted a lot in this issue. They're, you know, so it's not for the kiddies. And and that's typical of Ashley's stuff. Ashley loves women. So do I. So do we. And uh, he just has a way with the, the the 
child-rearing hips, let's just say, and the the female stuff that just I love to look at his artwork. So like um, Shaolin Cowboy, this issue was more um, me reveling in the fact that this this guy is a magician with a brush. The stories, and eh, they're fun. You know, the, 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 there's a hierarchy here. There's there's the mark making, then there's the design. He's great with typography, and and just plain design in general. And then comes the story. Like the story is almost an afterthought. And I, I don't think I'm downplaying the efforts of T. P. Louise and, and Ashley Wood. I, I think they would acknowledge that their stuff exists for a purpose, and that's to perpetuate these characters in forms other than the illustrative plastic and metal and vinyl and all that stuff but i think visually of the three this one is the winner for me because again i i I, my knees are are scabbed from genuflecting at the ashley wood altar i just think the guy's impeccable at what he does but story-wise they're just snippets and 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 tiny fragments of stories bigger things to come but at the end of the day, I buy an Ashley book, Ashley Wood book for the art. That's I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He's he's amazing at what he does. But the stories, yeah, you know, they're fun. They're okay, but uh, they're they're enjoyable. But the real draw for me is the 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 way he just you know uses that brush like a wand. I think the guy is just magical. Yeah. yeah. I, I, absolutely. I mean, I there's what he leaves blank in the panels or on the page is is almost as telling. It, it right. That's I very important. Very important. Yeah. I I I think. I mean, yeah. I couldn't really make. I mean, I'm glad you're saying that. You know, it's it's snippets. It's it's excerpts of of previous work because it, it's it wasn't. I don't want to say it was impenetrable, but there were definitely parts where I was just like, I'm, I'm not, there's, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot connecting one thing to the next. And yeah. I just ended up just soaking in the imagery. I, I, the, the art's absolutely fantastic. I, I, I love what he does on a page. The art is um, absolutely the same. I mean, it could have just been an art book. I don't, it, it didn't. Well, that's essentially it was, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Without without telling me, you know, there's a whole lot of sequentials or there's any stories involved. But this was it. it this was it. It really, really was a uh, was a joy to look at. I, I I even found myself after I finished it, and then I finished Shallon. I went back to this and just looked through it again, just because yeah. I, I I like the way it looks. Well, it's very much a collision of the highbrow and the lowbrow. Uh, on the one hand, he has the muses and artistic inspiration and what drives the creative engine and all that stuff. But on the other hand, he has women with their legs all spread open, showing their their business, you know, in the illustration show. So he he he, he gives a big old hug to to the highbrow artistic aspirations. But on the at the end of the day, he's going to show you a, vag- a vagina. Right, I mean that's I, I, yeah. I right, mean, I, th- those last couple pages, I I I absolutely love those last. Few pages. But there's I like women like, with stuff in their asses and just their things yeah. all display. But it's gorgeous, it really is. Yeah, Jason, what'd you think? 
Yeah, I mean, you guys have covered it. I mean, I, I think it's it's to me it's a in some ways it's evocative of of the way I was viewing Shell and Cowboy, which is that like I'm here for the art, as you said, as you both said. Yeah. Um, but I will agree with you, Vince. That like, whereas Shell and Cowboy has a story that's not super tight, and you don't really have to be into the story to enjoy the book. I mean, there is still a story there. Like, I mean, I do think Jeff is attempting to craft a narrative, whereas, you know, clearly this is not that. Um, yeah. So this re- this really here is, it almost is like an art book, you know, it's like, it's an art book. But the thing is, is like you said, this is Ashley Wood. So you, you give me you give me a, a big chunk of Ashley Wood pages to look at. I mean, this 88 pages, uh, that's a worthwhile endeavor, right? Like, yeah. uh, like even if, if there's no narrative. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, you covered it. It's 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 Astro Lad, Lamort, World War Robot, Adventure Cartel. It's like it's almost like a um, like a free comic book day, like zero issue of like all the stuff that like he he's he's done or is going to do. In this case, he's already done, but it's like it reads like oh, you know, this, these are the kinds of things I'm going to be showing you. Um, but yeah, but like visually, it's ridiculous, and and uh, you know, and I I haven't gotten I haven't read. A tremendous amount of Ashley Wood, but I have always thought his art is stunning. So yeah, no, I enjoy I enjoy yeah. this, but but definitely like this is not like I'm glad this is like a, a one and done annual because like it's it, it this didn't leave me like wanting to read more per se. Like I'd be more inclined to like I'd love to buy a beautiful archival like Tashin Ashley Wood art book like that would please me like that'd be the way I'd like to get more of this you know yeah. I mean I'm not gonna lie I own I own a good amount of Ashley Wood plastic. Okay, and but that's the draw. Aesthetically, I I, I much pref- more prefer his his uh, visual uh, the visual side to his shared universe because that's all this. I mean, everything about the guy he knows how to market himself. Um, if you like his drawings, chances are very very good it will exist in three dimensions as a vinyl figure. It'll exist as a T shirt. Uh, a a pin that you can you know stick on your jacket the the guy exhausts all possibilities to to market his art and i think that's great when you're as good as ashley wood go for it but i mean i've been buying his stuff for years i i bought everything he's ever done ever done like the the metal gear solid stuff from i can't tell you what that shit was about but Man, was it beautiful to look at, you know? So it, it there's a bit of an um, imbalance when it comes to his, his work. I, I love Astro Boy. I love the Japanese influence in his work, but I'm here for the visuals. The story, yeah, it, I, I, I don't want to say I, I don't care, but it's, it's even less than secondary for me. So, um, Tony, any op- opinion on Ashley Wood? I mean, yeah, incredible artist, a great designer. Uh, this is beautiful looking. Um, it does kind of make you appreciate, you know, like I don't, I don't think we need to uh, boost this guy any higher today. But, you know, like we had Daniel on just now and he does like, you know, bravura mark making and like like designing and, yep. and drawing. And then also thinks it's worthwhile to tell a fucking engaging, you know, <laughs> a heartfelt story, you know, like put, put – put emotion into the lines and into the words, um, which is sort of like, like I agree with what all of you are saying is that like, this is a beautiful art book. Um, if I set it down and went to, you know, get something out of the fridge or something and came back to it, I 
would have no idea what was happening where I left off, you know, like, yeah, it's very true with the Shaolin cowboy, you know, like I, you know, you track that thing the whole way, you know, like, all right, now he's fighting with the Gila monster and now he's fighting with the little baby man. And, you know, like it's all, uh, it's all happening in some sort of order. This is just like every page is beautiful. No fucking idea. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, Le Mort 13 is the most cohesive of the characters. Um, well, too, like, is is the Barbarian Jesus something that, that he's done like a longer stretch on, or is that just a, a short story? I think it's a beginning of of more stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have the second AWR. I have the first, so I can't say if this appeared anywhere else um, since he did this short. But knowing Ashley, I mean, he'll probably exploit it to the nth degree. But I got to admire that. I mean, the man knows he's something. So he takes every mark he makes and, and makes it available in other formats. Like, yes. you, so, you know, kudos to that. But I, I think you really hit the nail on the head where I would definitely put Daniel Warren Johnson in the same category as Ashley Wood, but maybe a little bit higher because Daniel's stories actually – they have gravitas, they have, have heart, and they have emotion in them. Where, I, you know, there's some of that in Ashley Wood stuff, but for the most part, um, I'm buying the ticket to see the artwork. Yeah, it's like a delivery mechanism for his artwork. You yeah. know, like, it, he makes comics, it has to be in the shape and form of a comic, so it has words and pictures and panels and stuff, but, like, uh, you know, I feel like it's mostly just, like, look at this amazing shit I drew, here it is. Yeah. Uh, and different cool like you know he's a great designer he's great at composition so like every page is cool looking you know but but yeah like and not that you can't follow it but just like i don't know what the hierarchy is i don't know right. what's important or you know like what, what 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 we're trying to get from story to story or if there's there's not a through line but like you know what is there a theme i don't know right no <laughs> i i, I think that's fair that's very fair. I would I wouldn't put Daniel and him in the same uh, category. I feel I feel like Daniel does uh, like like he said it on when we were talking to him today. Like he sits down, he writes the whole thing first. This definitely looks to me like somebody that draws it, you know, and then just goes like, all right. And then he said, "What's he say?" You know. Yeah. No. What I meant by I put them in the same category is they're great at mark making. Yeah. yeah. But I think Daniel has the extra something. That propels him above Ashley Wood in 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 the in the sense that his stories actually mean something, but I don't think that's fair. His yeah. story his stories have the potential to resonate with a far greater group of people than somebody coming to Ashley Wood who is a fan of Astro Boy, just looking at this homage to Astro Boy, thinking, "Man, this is beautiful," but there's not a whole lot to chew on here. It's like art book. Vinyl toy, designer, yeah. on that sort. Like that seems like that's the the intended audience for this, and that's yes. like a huge audience. And I and I didn't mean to compare the two to to make one sound like good and one sound bad. I'm just saying right. like different things. Uh, I I prefer the thing that has more of a story. More of well, it's the stuff you remember, right? I mean, beautiful yeah. artwork is great, but if it has a story behind it, one uh, to which you can relate, it's it's more impactful. I think. So, there, yeah, that was my choice. 
7174 annual by uh, Ashley Wood, T.P. Louise, Image Comics. It's it's a big value, like Jason said. There's a lot of pages here, 84 or whatever, and it's only like eight bucks. Oversized Golden Age format. It it's well worth your your uh, your time and uh, attention. Yeah. So how about that first instance of the single shuffle? Loved it. Yeah, it was fun, like- to, fun to do. What was the the other game you guys played where you just grabbed a, a comic out of a, a dollar box or whatever or out of a random review that I, I thought that was going to be a, a feature and you haven't gone back to it. Yeah, I would like to. Oh, but we have I, a laundry list of features that we've done, like one done. <laughs> one yeah. Done, so yeah. No, I thought it was fun too. I'd like to do that again. I forget the, the name of it, but um, I'm sure if I look through the tags on our mm-hmm. episodes, it'll be in there. Um, we did the one where we each assigned another person to read a book that we weren't sure they would like. Right. <laughs> done yeah. the fancy flashbacks. We've done, you know, Remember so Guess That Comic? Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of that fun. Was fun. That, that was, was hella that fun. Was a lot of yeah. fun. How about Second Issue Spotlight? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we really ran with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thanks mm. for being here with us once again. We hope you come back. This was a barn burner. Um, if I had to pick my all-time favorite episodes, I think this would be in in the in the ranking. Absolutely, I, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a little bummed that I already sent my application in for New York Comic Con because this would absolutely be one of the episodes I'd have listed. <laughs> I think you're good. <laughs> oh well, I don't think they're that discerning about what they. I understand, but I'm just saying that's I think how, they're just that, making that's sure how that we much exist, that we have I enjoyed. Well, this episode. I guess I'll put it on mine because I didn't fill out my application. Bruh, I, I'm gonna laugh my ass off when you get nagged. And I'm not Dapp gonna get like, nagged. Dap and I are in New York Comic Con, being like, "What up, bitch?" Oh yeah, I'll be outside eating well, the Two Brothers well, Pizza, I, be like, "Fuck right. you." Well, no, you come <laughs> over to one of the. You'll you'll go over to the windows. We'll have hands up like we're all in prison. That's great. Yeah, I'll hold my belly up at the window. <sighs> Whatever. Oh. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here. Hope you come back next time. Big thanks to Zach Crusay, Daniel Warren Johnson, and our mainstay, Mr. Tony Fleece, for being here with us. Um, we wish them the absolute best. We hope they win. Um, I, I think Tony has an edge in the limited series catalog, you know, but whatever. Still here. I know you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what um, I said. That's why, you know, I got the sequel out. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks to the patrons, patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. Check it out. Audio, video, images, polls, Slack channel. It's all there for you. Should you decide to join in your travels? Um, I would like you to read and you're getting prepared for the big to do this summer with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just to keep that Turtles train rolling, this was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Armageddon game pregame. And what it does, it repeat, it reprints, uh, I think the 2020 annual, 2021 annual, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 85 is a DAP, whatever. I think so. You're getting three issues for the price of... Um, basically one and a half it's like eight bucks for the issue uh it's a big honking book basically what it does it centers on the rat king and uh his attempts to rally his remaining siblings in the pantheon there's this 
group of, um, there's this family called the Pantheon who's been screwing with humanity from a, for a long, long, long time. And uh, Rat King is a member. And uh, he is basically the Loki of the Pantheon. He can manipulate time and space and uh, make you forget things or put ideas in your head. He can transmogrify into other shapes on a whim. Uh, he, he's basically the emissary of chaos. And uh, this is, uh, to Jason, maybe you'll get excited, I don't know. It, it's basically a getting the band together type scenario where the Rat King solicits help from all these entities within the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe to uh, join his cause, so to say, and and bring down those uh, meddlesome turtles and their family. Um, Kitsune, his sister, is shacking up with uh, Shredder, Orokosaki, and uh, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mythology, she plan to resurrect their father who was a dragon uh to you know bring him back to the land of the living and she failed and so the rat king decides that the turtles and their allies have been a thorn in their collective sides for far too long so he wants to concentrate that chaos but he needs a little bit of help and he goes to shredder orokusaki uh who's no longer shredder uh he's changed the the man literally went through hell and splinter's demise has instigated a bit of a shift in his character um he turns down the rat king as does kitsune so what the rat king does is he goes to his siblings man moth toad baron jaguar gothano and um, asks them for help and they all basically turn him down so, um, you know, there's a, a subplot with Angel and Alaplex where uh, Krang has um, infested Leatherhead. And there's a, it, it's a hell of a lot of fun. But um, the, the end point is that Dave Wachter is the absolute star of this book. Um, we've said it with all of the dudes who are here tonight, that it's extremely gratifying to see someone who we saw at the early stages of their career fighting out in the trenches develop into a full-blown artistic maestro, and Dave Wachter is one of those. Um, his, his artwork in this issue is just brilliant, and he outshines everybody else. I, you know, I may be saying that because it's... No, I'm not. I'm not saying that because the dude is a friend of ours. I'm saying that because his his art is that freaking good. So you get a whole bunch of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mythology, all of which is leading up to the the big to-do this summer with the Turtles, which is the Armageddon game. This is a very cost-effective way of getting up to speed. You get uh, the lowdown on the Rat King, what he wants to do, who he wants to do it with. It's basically Baxter Stockman... Um, uh, Leatherhead with uh, Krang. And I won't spoil all the beams, but uh, beans. But there's some others in there, and he's assembled this this group basically to take out the turtles. And that's the Armageddon game. 
Not a whole lot of heavy lifting going on here. Get this issue. It's amazing. See Dave Wachter at a show. Buy his art because the dude is flat out incredible. Read this. Dave Wachter, the first artist I ever wrote for. Wow. Yeah. On what? Uh, we did. You, you remember this years ago? We did this book called uh, "Tell Them Johnny Watt Is Here." That was a porn. Oh, book. right, yeah. That was the first time. Fifteen years ago, yeah. Before that, I had only written for myself. Uh, yeah, my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, it, good for you because Dave's amazing. I got an eye. Yeah, I can spot people sure. that are great and uh, within my grasp. Yes. Well, maybe not so much now. Not I, now. No, no. Dave is, he's elevated. He's leveled up uh, tremendous. I'm not squashing what you guys did, but that was 15 years ago. Yeah. Dave has leveled up considerably since then. And not, he he's a force of nature now. I feel like I can get him. I oh, him. I bet you could. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which would benefit you because right now he's, I think, Approaching the peak of his prowess. I was just looking at his, uh, the Gollum book the other day. Right. I was flipping through that hardcover. Just sort of going down Dave Wachter memory lane. Yep. He's he's just phenomenal. So pick this up if you want to be in on the Armageddon game. Chances are very good. Dap and I will talk about it (laughs) in in upcoming episodes. Uh, Get it. It's like eight bucks for a hundred pages. Well, well worth. You get two annuals and a single issue of the turtles for the price of an issue in like a half. Big nice. big value. Yeah. Uh firstly, book of the month. We are going with uh the Wolverine Epic Collection Volume One Magic Porn Knights. Uh that consists of the first Ten issues, the Wolverine serial in the first ten issues of Marvel Comic Presents, and the first sixteen issues of the Wolverine ongoing. Um, so that'll be for next week. And in your travels, um, I'm not going to do it justice, so I'm not going to get into it tonight. So I'm just going to say, get yourself something, some things off of uh, the Eisner nominee list. Short and sweet. I like it. Hmm. Yep. Um, well, In Your Travels, it's a book that I never thought we'd get. And then when I found out we were getting it, I was very, very nervous about it. And I have to say that uh, all of my fears were unfounded. In Your Travels, check out the triumphant return, at least for 12 issues, of Fables. Number 151, a.k.a. The Black Forest, Part 1 of 12, uh, picks up literally where we left off, what, six, seven years ago, Vince? Wait, what is this? Fables. You didn't know Fables was returning? No. Yes. Fables is back, and uh, it is the entire team back together, written by Mr. Bill Willingham, art by Mr. Mark Buckingham, with Steve Lealoa on art, on inks, the aforementioned Lee Loveridge doing colors. Um, like I said, this, this, I wasn't sure what they were going to do. I wasn't sure. I mean, the fact that it was going to be numbered 151 told me they likely weren't going to do any kind of significant reboot or retelling. But, uh, I will say that Willingham, 
you know, and Tony might want to weigh in this, like commercially speaking, I don't know if this was the best decision, but he, he doesn't, he, he presumes if you're picking this up that you are not only uh, familiar with fables, but that you have like a vivid recollection of what came before. Um, <laughs> even though it was years ago, because uh, this, this literally t- picks up like minutes after the uh, issue 150 ended. Um, and, uh, and, and in the 12 issue arc, we have uh, really a couple different status quo. You have, um, you have the, the, the New York city, the Monday world, which is now fully aware of the fables existence for the first time ever. And, uh, and, and so the, those that are staying in New York have to deal with that. And then you have lots of the, the fables that we followed very closely during the series, um, often other worlds doing their own thing, including, uh, Big B and, and, and snow and their kids. Um, and it looks like all of these stories are going to uh, intertwine and probably come to a big crescendo. Uh, and then what I thought was the coolest thing is that the what appears to be the big bads of this arc, and I'm not going to say who they are, um, are characters that, if you're a Fables reader from way back, were conspicuously absent in, in the, the long run. Like characters that you were like, why aren't they in fables like everything else is? And they weren't, and there were reasons why. And I guess apparently those reasons are no longer um, an issue. And so, um, very very cool. But the 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 thing for me is twofold in this. One, um, like I said, it, it 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 assumes you vividly recall what happened before. And and I wasn't sure if I would because I didn't re- like I haven't reread fables since it ended. I was reading it as it was coming out, and the last time I read it was the the week that that issue 150 hit the stands. Um, but I have to say, as a credit to the power of that story, I I I remembered everything, all the beats that they set up in this issue. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I remember what happened, which is a credit to to Willingham and Buckingham. Um, but also, um, I will say that goddamn have I missed Mark Buckingham's art. Like true that it it is so breathtaking, and it's exactly as great as it was all those years that he was doing fables before and like man oh man i'm already bummed out that we're only getting 12 new issues of this but but i gotta say like a lot of times whether it be tv shows or 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 your favorite bands putting on a new album or or comics you can't go home again well it's only one issue but i gotta say it's very encouraging and makes me think that in this case you very much can go home again so in your travels uh, if you were a fan of fables, and I know many of you out there were, uh, comfortably and, and and reassuringly, you can pick up Fables One Fifty One and love it. How big is the rock that I live under? That I had no idea this. Was I don't know. Out? No Twitter. I don't. Yeah. No, yeah. it was also on the Slack too. It was. Just, it, mm-hmm. It's just not. Uh, well, that's no out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, maybe. I'm gonna have to read this. Oh, of course you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Buckingham, one of the nicest, uh, like, I'll end up at dinners with people, you know, and, and they'll be strangers, and, and sometimes it'll be great, and sometimes it'll be, you know, lame. And Mark Buckingham was great. Like, a, just an incredible conversationalist, got a lot of fun stuff to say, and then just, like, interested in me, even though at the time I was just, you know, My Little Pony or whatever. So super, super good dude. Uh, in your travels, uh, I've got two quick ones. One, I picked up this new uh, Buffy book just called The Vampire Slayer. 
And I don't know anything about it. Basically, here's the what it says on the inside front cover. And into every generation, a slayer is born, yada, yada, yada. You know how that goes if you know Buffy. But then at the end, it says, and this is an entirely new universe. And then it's just the vampire slayer. So it's different from what we know. In this issue, though, the thing that's different is just that Willow is the vampire slayer, not Buffy. Buffy's there, but she's just Willow's. Weird. She's like Willow's Willow, basically. Huh. So it's like Buffy Elseworlds. Yeah. And I don't know if issue two is going to be somebody else's the Slayer or if we're just going to keep going with this. Um, The voices of the characters are great. Like, they're spot on. Um, The, like, cliffhanger of it or the, like, why would I read the next issue? I'm not 100% sure on. Except I want to see if Willow is still the Slayer next issue or if it's somebody else. So it's just like, yeah, it's like an Elseworlds. Um. And then the other one I got, which is one that you guys recommended, I think Jason uh, hit me number three of five came out today. Was that your, did you recommend the first one? Yep. It was indeed. Priscilla Petrakis, Petrakis yeah. Yeah. Krista Faust, Priscilla colors by Marco Lesko uh, from AWA Upshot. This book is super fun. It's is weirdly one of my favorite books that's coming out right now. Three issues of five are out. Um, and I won't go too long because Jason pitched it before, but it's a, a woman who's a sex worker, um, and her deal is uh, she uh, gets gets hit for money. It's called hit me because that's her like that's her thing is people that have the kink that they like to hit somebody. Uh, they pay her, and you know it's like not in the face, don't leave a mark, or it costs extra that sort of thing, which is something that like I think why I'm interested in the book is because I'm just like I have no. It's completely out of the realm of, of like what I know about or or would even consider, you know. Yeah, so, exactly. Yep. But then also in the mm-hmm. same way, like reckless, because it's about a guy that has this secret power that he can just take a fucking beating. Like I feel like we're headed to to that. Like we've seen a little bit of it so far in this, but I feel like that's where we're headed to is just like she has this superpower that who whoever she's up against doesn't really know about it, and she's sort of. Like, using her other superpowers, like her sort of, like, underworld sex worker, like, knowing the ins and outs of of this world to tr- track down a, a mystery. Like, she's um, s- somebody that she was close with got killed. Or not close with, but, like, somebody that she knows got killed and she's got wrapped up in this thing. And so now it's like uh, she's in a situation and she's got to use her uh, sex worker superpowers to get out of it. Which sounds... Uh, like like an exploitation plot, which I guess it is, but it's just very charmingly <clears throat> written. The art's good. That's Baxter, my dog. Hi. And uh, and yeah, it's just a it's just a fun read. Five issues. I feel like it's going to be a, a a satisfying five issue read. Where it left off, this one has me very intrigued because uh, I don't think it's a spoiler, but she she just shows up at what looks like the like S and M uh, Oracle. You know, like she shows up at a place where this super bizarre s and m uh like lady's gonna answer questions for her, you know like she has to go see the oracle so yeah hit me it's uh it's crimey it's sexy the art's super cool the colors are nice uh and it's you know it's about some dark stuff but it's not like a dark it's not like you know requiem for a dream or something <laughs> as to as <laughs> big yep. facts yeah like they could go ass to ass in this, and it would still play. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't be like the the nightmare that it is in that movie. 
ass to ass. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us one more time. Big thanks to Tony for sticking it out as the fourth chair. Uh, also, thanks to Zach Cruse, Daniel Warren Johnson. Loved having them. Um, fingers crossed. I hope you all win. Me too. Yeah, we all do. And um, come back next time. We'll have a, a hot and or cold beverage waiting for you. Maybe a sandwich. Uh, do the right thing. Think about it. And say, good night. That's like a funeral dirge. I'm sorry. Three dogs, dog days. Uh, tray paperback is for order right now. Make sure you tell the shop you want them to get that. They still order stray dogs, tray paperback. That's offered again. You see that in 3D. You know what that is. Uh, I think we got like two more weeks on that. So tell your shop you want that. Damn straight. Nice. We'd like to thank Ashley Wood for being here with us this time around. <laughs> uh, time, it, <laughs> time shopper on its way. Yeah, that's right. Time shopper's on a boat. David. <laughs> I... That's a long one. We got a vamp. Yeah, I can tell people to buy Stray Dogs uh, Dog Days Stray Paperback again if that'll help you with the timing. Just oh, tell it, your shop. It sure will. <laughs> well worth your time. Uh, yeah, it's got, you know, it's got Renee shows up in there, of course. Yeah. The character named Vince unnamed yeah you know, a lot of people talk about the mandela effect where mm -hmm. you know uh certain events will happen in uh a timeline that it kicks it out David. of nice of the regular timeline and shunts us off into an alternate timeline and i'm thinking i'm looking at the eisner nominations and i see tony fleece and i'm like what has happened <laughs> when we've entered an alternate timeline but it's a beautiful timeline, and I want to stay here. Definitely not expected when I was, you know, humping out $3 sketch cards or sitting there. No. Trying, you know, My Little Pony Friends were number 23. But you deserve it. Dude, all I know is my, my boy Holden's got, got art, Eisner Award-nominated art hanging on his wall now. I still got that boo cover. I don't. I think Holden's outgrown it now. But I'm, I'm just yeah, he's outgrown it now. Because that's one of my favorite covers. I mean, he's still got the boot commissions hanging, representing right above his bed. Uh, yeah. What a, what a boy. I don't care how famous you get, I'm never parting with my naked, invisible woman. <laughs> well, uh, the more famous I get, please don't post that again. That would be, that'd be okay. <laughs> oh, nice. Blackmail. Awesome. <laughs> I can't wait for the dude that used to get all the mermaids for me to, like, put an art book out at some point. <laughs> Shuffle the different art. Eyes they're winning, the yeah. you made. I don't think he knows about stray dogs. I don't think he knows anything that's going on in comics. He, the man just loves mermaids. You know, I feel like we're living in two different worlds, me and him. Did it get to a point where he, where he, he asked you and you were like, nah, I can't do it anymore. Or did he just like disappear? We, we've been through so much and he used to commission <laughs> me when I really needed that. Much of it. I feel like the type of guy I am, if he came to me with a, you know, a new holiday and a new mermaid, I would take the commission just because like if he wanted to hit me mermaid, he'd be like, All right. <laughs> now, I don't think you ever detail, like how explicit are these mermaids? Well, he doesn't like them explicit. There's no, you know, obviously they have fish tails, so they don't have bottom parts, but they're never topless or anything. The, the craziest thing he'll do is he sometimes wants them in like a, 
a viscous fluid that <laughs> this is so creepy, dude. Some sort so of glue creepy. or paint, you know? Oh god. So well, make a what you will, but but I, they weren't. It wasn't like he was trying to get mermaid straight up and down porn. Oh. Out of so you really have nothing to worry about. Not not on that front. No, I, I don't think. No, there's nothing really too wild out there. I I always picture myself as the kind of artist where I'm like, if you want something to jack it to, there are many other options. I feel like you know I would just be trying so hard to <laughs> to make it work for you. It wouldn't be wouldn't be worth any any of our time. It's like, dude, here's mm-hmm. ten bucks. Pick up a Serpieri book. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. the internet. All right, everybody. We love you so much. Thank you for this. Thank Zach and Daniel and Tony. Come back next time. We'll be here. Tell them how much you love them. We love A you. A lot. Yeah. Not as much as the book of the month, though, because that's going to be lit. Wolverine. How'd right. Have to be? In Bad his. Pour up in the dude, in his best alter. Interation. Integration? Yeah. Integration? Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. The bottle's gone. <laughs> Jesus. All that boons. That's hurtful. <laughs> wow. Well, it's too sugary. I've thrown up on boons. Yeah, boons, boons throw up for sure. Yeah, yeah had some rough, rough college nights with boons. I yeah. never get a hangover from wine. Well, that's probably like boons will give you a hangover because it's super tons of sugar and it's got tons of nitrates in it. It's bad stuff. I remember one time in college going. I gotta find where this farm is. I want to go. What a glorious place! Yeah. Oh my God, it's lit. That's it for that one. <laughs>